Our conversation today is with Chris James and Ed Bonowitz. These two seemingly ordinary guys are some of the best shooters I've run across. Something fascinates me about how these two guys, out of all the people I've met and shot with, ended up being the best. So I attempted to drill into their backstory, how they see shooting, how they perceive training, the media, the firearms industry, competition shooting, weapon selection, optics, and much more. We ultimately ran out of time, and I feel like I'm going to have to have them come back because there's a lot more ground I wanted to cover. But for now, please meet two extraordinary citizens of Texas, Chris James and Ed Bonowitz. It's good to see you guys. Likewise. Yeah, great. And what? Five, six days? Uh, <laughs> Friday. Yeah, it's been a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has been a week. Not, yeah, not even a full week. But I like hanging out with you guys, so it's you know. never, never enough time. Never enough time. This is true. Yeah. Um, so it probably is just good to start with who you guys are. Like, who the hell are you guys? Uh, sure. You're just two, two guys off the street. Just two guys. Just pretty um, much. And from my audience perspective, you really are. So no one's going to know who you are. Thank no, God. At all. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep it that way. Absolutely. So why don't we start with, um, I don't Ed, know. Let's okay, do it. Okay. Start sure. with Ed. Why don't you start? Like, what's your name and background? And Sure. Uh, well, my name's Ed Bonowitz. Uh, I've been living in Central Texas for about 30 years, but I originate from Pennsylvania. Uh, Ex-military, moved to Texas with the military and uh, landed into a job, which I've now been with for 27 years. Have you really? Yeah. I didn't uh, know it was that long. Yeah. It's a major telecommunications company and uh, I basically do shadow IT work uh, within the company, uh, specifically focused around a a not well-known discipline called workforce management which is really boring to mm. most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like scheduling, attendance management, payroll, and sort of HR-related functions. They're kind of important things. Yeah. They're, they're super important. Keep, yeah. keep the ball rolling. Yeah, I mean, as I've, I've often said, it's, uh, it's kind of like a sewage manager job. right? Okay. Nobody, nobody really cares about what I do until it's broken. broken. <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, then I'm the most important person in the world. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, but I, but I enjoy it. I've... I've become extremely specialized in it and uh uh it's a lot of freedom and a lot of opportunity to save the company money so it's a big big company i work for so you've heard of it everyone's <laughs> heard of it <laughs> awesome uh yeah so chris james and i've uh i i'm a native texan uh grew up in el paso in the west of texas in the desert and uh stayed out in the desert went to school university of arizona studied uh, all things IT and database, and then promptly didn't do any of that and went into web development when the web was still new-ish, at least new to me, and um, sort of got, you know, kind of went around everywhere, was in, in the Bay for a little bit, uh, worked for, working for a couple of software companies, and in uh, 05, came back here to Austin and started working for um, Dell, and right, like right at that moment, this social media thing kind of happened as a in the zeitgeist i guess and so i kind of glommed onto that having a little bit of a web background mostly like a web technology and analytics background what i found very quickly was i was able to translate how to use all this stuff to a bunch of marketers and communicators and lawyers who were basically terrified of it Mm -hmm. Um, and so i found this great niche where if i helped uh, those people maybe find a path uh, to do this and, and, you know, either stroke uh, their executive ego on Twitter or <laughs> build a uh, 
digital marketing practice or an advertising function, um, it worked. And so I played around with that for really the last like 16, 17 years with uh, like more companies than I can list uh, in just about every sector. I've been in the wine industry and retail and, and back here at tech and, and I work for a, a really big tech company that, that people have also heard of mm. and um, essentially, you know, doing the communication side of it and PR and, and where all that kind of blends back together. So a little bit full circle for me, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, been in Austin the second time around since uh, 2015. Gotcha. Yeah. So one thing that I think we all have in common, as we talk about, we're, this is mostly a conversation about firearms and being citizen mm-hmm. uh, carrying uh, individuals. Um we all have something in common where we, we all were introduced to guns pretty early. Mm-hmm. Yes. We all took a pretty big chunk of time off. We're like, we just yeah, didn't really absolutely. do it and think about it. It wasn't really part of our day-to-day thinking or whatever. And then we all at some point started taking it really much more seriously. Yeah. And so I'd kind of like to talk about that arc a little bit. Um, so, um, I know Ed, you've got kind of more of a W. So yeah. Maybe, maybe, we, maybe we start with you. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, if I put it in the simplest terms, but I probably won't cause I am a little <laughs> long winded, but, uh, I'm known for that. Sorry folks. But, um, but ultimately I'll just say this. I, I grew up in a house, uh, like I said earlier up in central Pennsylvania, they call it the Pennsylvania T. A lot of people have never heard of that, but it's the, the top strip and the center strip of Pennsylvania, which is more like the conservative areas. So I grew up there. The not uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh part, basically. Pretty much, yeah. right, exactly. So, um, but in those areas, they uh, have a lot of guns, uh, and, and it's a, a more sort of conservative culture. And my father had a lot of firearms, and I grew up around those. And uh, I believe, and I believe that he was a uh, some kind of a gun dealer with a federal firearms license. Not 100% sure about that, but I have this memory uh, Mm -hmm. where uh, back in the 80s, I don't know, 10 years, 12 years old, and he's like, go to the pickup truck and get the Uzi, right? (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember much else about it, but I... I, (laughs) But But you knew where it was. I remember it was in the winter and it was snowy because I I guess he didn't want to go out or whatever. And I just remember going out and getting it out of the car, out of this blue Chevy pickup truck and I'm walking back to the house. It's a small neighborhood with like an Uzi sort of over my shoulder. It's just, you know, it was a long barrel Uzi, but, uh, but, uh, I don't know why, but I just remember Uzi's that new, growing up with that. That's pretty formative. That's yeah. You know, it's a, that moment in time that's sort of trapped in your memory. But, uh, other than that, uh, I didn't really shoot a lot. Uh, I remember my father taking me out and he's, if he ever listens to this podcast, he's going to be really embarrassed, but, uh, I doubt he will. But uh, he took me out to the gun range and, and had a 308 rifle, bolt-action rifle, and he just let me shoot it without any instruction. Oh. Interesting. And uh, naturally, how, how that, that, I want to say eight or nine. Okay. Uh, so that's a, that's a heck of a firearm for an eight or nine-year-old. <laughs> it sure is. With, uh, It'll and, push you uh, around. Uh, I, put the, uh, I put the stock in the center of my chest, oh, uh-huh. and I was sitting on the bench holding it kind of like this, right, Oof. looking through the scope. And uh, I fired it, and it knocked me off the table. I bet. The, the rifle went up into the air, and, and he said, and again, I, I'm going to embarrass him here, but, <laughs> but he said, oh, I, I said, did I hit it? You know, and I was kind of upset by it all. And he said, no, you shot it over the thing, and it probably went into the next town and shot some baby in the neck. <laughs> and 
And I was like mortified, <laughs> right? Because I'm literally imagining this bullet sailing into somebody's house, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, but <laughs> but no formal firearms instruction. My dad was, you know, a decent shot, and and he's a great guy. Uh, so I'm not really besmirching him, and uh, but I guess he thought it was funny at the time, and in hindsight, it is funny. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, that's kind of where the extent of my firearms was just basically kind of dabbling and and playing around with guns and being exposed to them, but really no kind of actual education. But then you went to the military. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, 18 years old, joined the military, uh, the U S army, uh, was, uh, in, uh, military intelligence, uh, in that as well. And it was, uh, it was a really cool isn't career. That moron? Isn't that, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what they like to say. Right. Um, but, uh, it, it was a great opportunity when I definitely don't regret. I opted to do that over college, you know, at that time. And, uh, I thought at the time, you know, I played video games in the 80s and I had pretty good hand-eye coordination and shooting games and things like that. And so I thought I was pretty good with firearms and the military told me that I was too. Right? <laughs> uh, good affirmative culture there as well. Right, right. You know, I, I got my expert uh, rifleman badge and I carried a pistol and learned, you know, no training at all with the pistol. Went out there and did really great at that too. Watched some of the other officers shooting and watched them pass as well. Some did well, some not so well, but, you know, I really believed that I, you know, was pretty skilled with firearms mm -hmm. and the nature of my job, of course, was uh, not heavily firearms centric in the military, yeah. uh, but it is always interesting to me how uh, people believe that, you know, if you were in the military, it's a gun you're culture. good with guns, right? It's not. Right. Same thing with, with, with police, right? Uh, some are amazing, and some of my experiences with them that they're truly fantastic, and others, uh, yeah, well, not so much. We'll we'll get to do besmirching but, other groups. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I'm not besmirching. Not besmirching. Uh -huh. Just no, no, just just a very broad array yeah, of skill, you. right? Yeah. So, um, but then, uh, do you want me to continue from there? No, let's let's uh, let's talk about the backstories first. Uh, yeah, uh, sure. Then, then sure. we'll get to modern day. Yeah, I've got a I've got a dad Uzi story too. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Also with the long, the long barrel. Yeah. Um, I have a, mine's random. Um, it, it's everything that, that should have been a cool, nice linear story that wasn't. And largely that was due because my parents got divorced when I was really little and they are very different people. But my, my mom grew up on a farm uh, in, in the panhandle and my grandparents were a lot older. She was the youngest and they had always just, you know, I think grown up in, in a, a pretty wild place. I mean, Panhandle in the twenties and thirties was barely settled um, and uh, harsh and difficult mm. and uh, they were not wealthy. So what they had, you know, in terms of firearms, they passed down and it was a really big deal to make sure that this, this El Paso kid for, you know, my mom's son was trained properly. Um, and so it was my grandfather that first kind of put a rifle into my hands. And, and much like you had, uh, I spent a little bit more time with a lot more instruction uh, yeah. in the backyard on a tree stump from about six years to eight years. Whenever I visited, all I could do was cycle the bolt and dry fire. Mm. I wasn't allowed to touch any ammo, wasn't allowed to go shoot. That's cool. And then finally, I think about nine years old, we went out to the farm and he would, uh, he was a consummate smoker, my grandfather pulled out big Folgers can and said, fill it full of dirt, walk out there a little bit, and then let's go and shoot it. 
And, and I did that for, for years. And eventually my mom kind of got to a place in her life in El Paso where she started to worry and being a single mom. And, you know, so she, she got a handgun and I remember going out to the desert and shooting her 38 for the first time and being like, wow, I'm, pistols suck. Like this isn't fun. This is hard. Like, I don't, I, let's go back to the rifle. And her boyfriend at 12 gave me a, a Ruger 10 22. And that was like my first gun, but I could never really go out and shoot it much because my dad on the other hand could give two shits. He really could. Um, did not, his, his father was in the air force. He moved all around everywhere. Uh, but the one thing they didn't really have in the house or need to have, I guess, from their perspective was firearms. Mm -hmm. And so my, my dad um, had firearms, but largely only because of his business as a West Texas bankruptcy lawyer. So he'd get them in lieu of payment, like he would oh, okay. really cool cars and yeah. airplanes and stuff like that. So we were much more like dad and I were airplane and, and, and car guys. And yeah, he would randomly say, you want to come into the walk-in safe that's practically empty and get that thing off the shelf, Chris. Let me, let, let's sit down here and, and ogle this Uzi. Ogle <laughs> from the perspective of, I don't think either of us know how to use it, <laughs> what it does, and, and no intention whatsoever to shoot. Never saw it shot. Oh, just, um, just as a valuable, come, I, just like, yeah, a, yeah. It was a, maybe a talisman in his, in his mind. Sure. Um, he had these, he, he was so foolish and let me, sorry, dad. Um, <laughs> let me play with these beautiful shotguns in high school, these 20 gauge, like hand filigreed, um, shotguns that he'd been gifted from a client that were worth several thousands of dollars. And I just went out and beat him up doing like dove hunting and, and shooting, uh, uh, rabbits and stuff in the middle of New Mexico. And, um, so that was my kind of introduction and it, it didn't really stick. I, I had the gun, but I didn't really think about it. I didn't make any plans on it. I went off to college I got into IT. I wasn't around anybody else who was interested in guns whatsoever for almost two decades. And um, it wasn't until I came back to Texas in, in 06 that I had this, this coworker who's like, yeah, I build, I build AR-15s. I'm like, you're loud? <laughs> That's, tell, tell, tell me more. This is interesting. Went out, shot a little bit, and I'm, I'm hooked. Mainly because ARs are like, building PCs, which I've done all yeah. my life. And mm, it's like, too. Ooh, give me, give me yeah. stuff. Let's put this together. And I'll just change this part out. Let's, let's soup it up. Let's. Mm -hmm. So long before I cared about marksmanship or, or really even serious self-defense, I was absolutely kind of hooked as a builder mm -hmm. and, and just, and so I, I had the token AR. Yeah, sure. And you know, I've always gravitated towards mil spec mm -hmm. and being a tactical Tommy. And so I didn't want anything else. Unless it was like what the guys in the guat uh -huh. carry. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And I, I had very little, you know, connection with that. When I was trying to get into the military, it was the Navy. All I wanted to do was fly. I became a pilot at 23. So I, I prioritized a lot of, um, you know, maybe heavier caliber uh, skills before I, I got into small arms. And um, but from that point forward, I was kind of hooked, but really still didn't know how to shoot more mm. wanted to, but couldn't, uh, I had my buddy who built, but he actually kind of was more like, I like building ARs and trading and selling. And, uh, you know, he wasn't one to like get into 
firing them well or, or, or grading himself. And, and so that, that was sort of how it went. I moved around the country a little bit more, ended up in California where I had to put all these weird things on the AR to not go to jail. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it very clearly like started to where, okay, well this, this is great that I have this thing, but I, I really don't feel protected by it mm-hmm. most of the time. Cause I can't take it anywhere. I can't, it's, it's, it's encumbering. So, uh, yeah, I, I started doing a lot of backpacking and, and, you know, being outside a lot, being away from vehicles and any kind of protective structures. And, and that was sort of what then kind of led me up. Okay. I've got a gap here. Um, maybe I should, you know, look, look, look elsewhere. Well, you know, um, when you mentioned the AR and, and sort of the, the nerd factor, yeah. you know, right. Thank you. That's exactly what it is. It's though. what it feels like to me too. Right. So, uh, I remember, you know, kind of similarly, uh, some of my first firearms that I, I purchased post-military or in the military were less about how does the gun work, what are its qualities, what's its cap- what is it capable of, and more like what I was familiar with. Mm. And, yeah. and sort of tokens of being in the military. Right. Right. Uh, there was a, I think the P-85, I believe, was one of my first... Pistols nice. that I purchased because it was the Marine carry gun and I couldn't find a 92F, which was the M9, of course. Yeah, nobody could find that. That was like super hard. It's super Almost hard to find. Lifetime Absolutely, the yeah. But that's the one I wanted because I was great at it. Mm. At, and, and I, you know, for effect there, I right. was great at it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> little did I know yeah. I wasn't. But the same thing with the AR. Uh, the first AR that I purchased was... Uh, in a Walmart parking lot mm. out of a trunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was legal. Seems legit. Yeah. But uh, so that's, you know, that's, that's concerned. Texas. Right? right. So, uh, but ultimately it was for the same thing. It was during the Obama era. Uh, sorry, the, the rush mm-hmm. to grab your guns. Yes. Uh, I'm aware of this. Right? Yes. Uh, and three uh, cent five, five, six ammo. I recall very yeah. strongly in 2008. And though I may, you may, may find it ironic. I, you know, I was an Obama supporter, uh, I thought he was pretty yeah, cool. That, that, that's actually something that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't yeah. think any of us really share politics very well. Like we're kind of all kind of a mismatch. Yeah. I've worked for the Democratic Party in El Paso for years, helping my stepmom get elected. And um, by the way, she was a federal crim- uh, criminal judge, put a bunch of people away to send them to Huntsville to die. And lady will not touch a gun. Mm. You know. She's yeah. just used to being protected by a bunch of people around her. With guns. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, no, I mean that, that's, that was kind of a thing. It, I mean, yeah. It, between the nerd factor kind of pulling me in, but also not really, well, becoming at that time aware of maybe what I'm losing mm. or, or that, yeah. gosh, I, I better enjoy this before it's gone. Kind of with the assumption that, yeah, they're going to yank this thing. Like it's done. Yeah. I had the same feeling. Uh, the AR was, you know, I really liked that. I always wanted it. And then there was a time when I didn't make enough money to really afford one. I just remember feeling that pinch during the Obama era where, uh, everyone was raiding the ammo and, and yep. piling it, stockpiling everything. And I wasn't even really intimately familiar cause I wasn't focused on firearms. It was more just get one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, and so you, 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 you see that still to, the, to this date, every time there's a scare, uh, sort of people just going out and getting one, mm-hmm. right? Well, and, and I think because I was surrounded by politics growing up, I've never equated 
being from one particular ideology and that not having a basic need to defend oneself. Like it, mm. it never really occurred to me, but it was always confusing when people started to draw hard lines around that when, when it became a party issue right. in, in the nineties. And then, then, then again, after the AWB was repealed in the you know early two thousands, um, it was clear that there were some people who were pissed off, but it didn't equate that, Oh, this is an entire culture or subculture yeah. or on, on either side, depending on your perspective. And um, I still to this day, don't think it has anything to do with politics. I agree. And, and I, I have, I'm, I'm a, um, you know, if you need, if you need a label, I'm a centrist, I'll vote for whoever the hell I want. Same. And I try to not vote for assholes. Yeah. Um, and um, if you're going to take my shit away, you're probably not going to get my vote now. I, I think at this point it's safe to say that there's no good reasons. And so, yeah, I think I end up being fairly critical or wanting to know what they practically can do. But I've had just as many Republicans screw with my rights as I have Democrats at this point. So, <laughs> so true. I, you know, I, I don't need, I don't need to, it's, I don't need to fall into that conven- convenient trope or, 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 or path to, to, to okay. kind of connect with someone like you. So, yeah. him. um, <laughs> I, okay. So that's interesting. Cause I actually assumed you were more left. You were a little more right, and I was more center. But it's funny. I think we all ended up being pretty centrist. I'm pretty centrist. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Um, yeah. So that's that's a new information for me. Um, <laughs> okay. So you you both kind of went through some phase. I too had a early phase where I was on a ranch. It made a lot of sense to have a gun. You know, shooting squirrels, Lucky. and rab, rabbit a- animals and stuff. But but like you, I did not. I was not properly trained. I mean. I knew how to shoot it. I knew how to clean it. I knew the basics, but right. not like now. Like this is a whole other level that we're at these days. Well, I was going to say, I mean, other than some very basic where the barrel goes instruction, what else was there to know? In well, the I mean, and, and safety, right? There was a lot yeah. of safety. I took a safety course okay. uh, in California. You had to have one. This is true. Yes, uh, yeah. So I took a safety course. And so, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I had no training, but by today's standards, it was very, very minimal. Yeah. Um, but just like you guys, something happened, right? There was, there was, there was some movement that suddenly made you start training for real. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, what was that for you guys? Oh, well, when was it for you? What year can you kind of pinpoint it? Oh yeah. 2017. Ah, it's 2017 for me. Specifically. Um, so there was a, uh, there, there's a range here in, in Austin. It's pretty nice range called the range at Austin. Uh, they were I've built. Had, I've had Grant Shaw on the podcast, as a matter of fact. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's a great, it's a great location. Uh, I don't remember how I heard about it being built, but it wasn't far from where I lived. I had some interest in shooting and uh, I had more income to afford it. And I remember the, the emails that I was receiving and I, I started to follow it and they eventually opened. I was one of their first uh, members. I believe it was, I don't know, the very first day or second day that they opened, I was there. And I, like many people, would go to the range and I bought a gun or two, additional gun or two, and would shoot like I always did, thinking I was really good. Right. And at one point, uh, I think maybe a year into them opening, maybe six, eight months, I don't know, uh, there was an email that I got from the range at Austin that talked about this gunfighter club. And uh, 
um, a major pivotal person in my firearms experience, uh, Jeff Gonzalez, who I know you've had yep. on before, uh, was the director at the range at Austin of the, of the training department. And it was uh, this, this thing to a subscription where you could mm-hmm. learn from him. And, Super cool, by the way. Uh, right. And you could. Yeah, but why? Get tr- why, why? Why do it? Well, I'll be honest. Uh, I thought it was really good. So you thought you would breeze through it? So I thought I would take it and well, it would be a better way for me to like engage with the firearm and learn something because there was something deep down inside of me that didn't really know what to do. So many people, even today, when I, when I go to a gun range and you watch people, and it's just a bit of an assumption, but you watch them shoot and there's no plan. Yeah, there's no intention. They're just loading a mag, pointing it at a target, usually pretty close and mag dumping into it and then doing it again. I had been doing that for months at the range and was running out of ideas and perhaps even starting to get bored with it. Yep. And so I think it was just the right place at the right time, this idea that I would be able to come in and do training. So you just fell right into it. Interesting. I, I, I really did. Um, mm. uh, and of course, I have a good story about uh, about how I almost jumped off that wagon, but uh, which I guess I can go into. Yeah, sure. Sure. So, so I went into Jeff's first class. Uh, <laughs> I think you were there, <laughs> right? I, well, may, if not that one, one, no, of, I was one of the say, near, I think very, very soon, right? Very early. We've all been at least one two, 2017 class together, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Well, it was, so. yeah, it, it was a it screaming a deal. Uh, the, the gunfighter club was a screaming deal. Basically you, 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 you got, uh, two days of training per month at roughly the cost of about 50% off if you were to sign up for the classes yourself. And yep. I thought, what a great deal. Uh, so I signed up immediately, probably one of the very first people in his, in his club too. Went in there. We had a class of eight. I don't think there were any other gunfighters uh, you know, in that club, but there were other just people who had signed on. And I thought, I'm going to be good, right? Showed up with my, I don't even remember firearm what it was. It was trash uh, actually it was uh it I'm was sure. the bread 92 f yeah mm. it was one i had uh, acquired and i was awful <laughs> i mean <laughs> abysmal uh, uh eight yard seven yard target i'm putting shots off paper down below the leg uh to the i was shooting left-handed because i'm a lefty at that and i i was at that time um that's changed <laughs> but uh but either way I just remember there was this uh, young lady next to me and this wasn't any kind of, uh, she had no experience either, right? So I remember her being very unfamiliar through the process of the training. So it was quite clear she had no firearms experience. And I looked like better than an you. absolute <laughs> fool compared to her. Yeah. And this was my ego, just shattering glass, you know, on the floor. Well, re- you're, you're a little bit of a certificate whore too like me there's a lot of things you've done in the past too that you're like i want to rank up like i like levels and measures yeah i do right uh those are appealing to me uh and and benchmarking right i'm very detail and numbers oriented kind of person but i just remember just doing so awful i went i muscled through the whole class but the entire day i felt destroyed and I went out into the parking lot because it was a two-day class. <laughs> I think I've told you this story before, maybe. No, I don't no? think so. Uh, I went out, and I had a, a dear friend uh, who lived in another state that I, I confided in a lot, and I called her. And I was kind of 
pouting, mm. right? A little bit, you know, crying and teary-eyed or whatever because I was just shattered by this. And uh, she's a real matter-of-fact person. I told her my story, said I was thinking about not going back the next day. She basically said to me, you got two choices. You can suck it up, stop being a baby, or be a quitter. Oof. Right? Truth bomb. Ouch. Yeah, it was a hard truth bomb. Yeah. And I decided I would not be a quitter. And that was a pivotal ro a moment in my firearms life. What was, the, what, was the, what was the reason you said yes? What, like, you could have quit. You should have quit. That was horrible. I mean, you were humiliated. I mean, everything in your body is like, ah, stop. Because so I'm a contrarian by nature. So, yeah, okay. I am. Uh, if someone says I can't do it, then by God, the I will. Best motivation ever. Right? Yeah. So, and I respected her opinion of me, I believe. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be a quitter to her. Love it. Yeah. I, I think I have a, a, a quintessentially modern journey to the gun. Um, like most males with computing technology between 1995 and present day, I played a lot of first-person shooters. <laughs> I played Duck I'm, Hunt in the 80s. Does that count? I, I, I play, yes, I also played Duck Hunt. was just as bad at that. For, now I'm putting that together and be like, oh, shit. Yeah, I was really bad then, too. Um, and and uh, kind of had this expectation that because I yanked the trigger on the AR, like anything with a trigger, I'm, I'm blessed, right? And, and it, to the point where I don't even know that I really need to pick it up. I'm just, it's assured. Um. I, I also found out about the range. I mean, I had been doing enough shooting on the AR at this point where like I'd been to best of the West. I'd been to other facilities in the area, mostly trying to get outside. I just liked being outside and shooting. Um, and uh, in, indoor ranges were never super exciting to me, but I had kind of an embarrassing kind of pistol moment um, with my brother-in-law. He brought um, his cool pistols up. His, he had an HK and a couple of other things. And, he had a 40 and a 45 and I loaded a 40 into the 45 and, and Ooh. discharged it, which isn't that big of a deal, but a lot worse if I had tried to it'll, do it it'll, the other way around, it'll work. It'll go bang yeah. once, uh, once <laughs> right. does not cycle turns yeah. out. Nope. And, and it was just, uh, it was, it was a little bit embarrassing. I mean, well, a lot of embarrassing, but it, for someone who claimed to have knowledge. And so I go, I go out and I had to borrow one of his pistols to go get my LTC. I was also embarrassed because one of my like kind of liberal can't be friends decided he and his girlfriend decided to go get licensed to carry. And I was like, well, well I should come too. I like, how come I like, <laughs> how come you're, you're not carrying dude. You're back in tech. You've been in Texas like two years. What are you doing? Um, so went out, went to LTC and I got a great book recommendation that helped me begin the mindset part. And the mindset part was important because when I got to the class, mm. just class and, mm. and did exactly the same thing you did, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> utterly shit the bed. Um, what I, what I needed was something to kind of pull me back. But I, I, at that point had a little bit like the, there's an amazing book called the gift of fear that I would highly recommend. Um, has nothing to do with firearms, but it's probably one of the best, most important pieces of understanding why the gift of fear. fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, it's Martin. Somebody is the author, uh, would, highly recommend it if if you're on any kind of journey about reflecting on your um, responsibility to protect yourself so oh. that you don't have to be a drain on the resources of society to be protected. Cool. Um, anyway, 
So I, you know, I, I go, I borrow this gun. I do my LTC. I do pretty darn good. I'm like, oh, maybe <laughs> the LTC. Yeah, I did the very simple LTC <laughs> wow. shooting test of 50 rounds. You're amazing. Like, man, I'm glad I'm good at this. I should get in some classes. I think Gunfighter Club sounds pretty cool. Let me uh, let me get into that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, 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 I promptly show up this time having bought a pistol probably the week before. Nice. And I think I put 50 rounds through it before the class. <laughs> nice break-in period. At least it, yeah. yes, it worked. <laughs> and somehow managed to cobble together the whatever 750 rounds we needed for two days. And um, go in and, and shoot this class. And, and obviously, Jeff was, like, electric. I mean, and I say that in the, in the sense of all of a sudden I was getting information. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd I, you know, watched a bunch of YouTube videos, just like a lot of Super other people legit. are probably starting on out. Yeah. yeah. As like, oh, of course I'm going to learn. I'm going to go to U.S. Sporting Federation and see what, how to do pistol things and mm-hmm. And, but no, now I'm getting, now I'm getting like legit mindset. I'm getting legit, you know, threat information, stuff that I wasn't expecting to get in, in a, in a normal shooting course, but absolutely is critical in a defensive mm-hmm. course. And this was the big unlock that I had not really been looking at or, 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 uh, uh, addressing defense in a, in a intelligent way. And I, I consider myself intelligent. So this was a big gap. Then I go in and I absolutely suck it up, single digit percentage. And I'm, oh, by the way, I'm graded now. This is the first time I'm ever graded oh, yeah. on my shooting besides oh. pass fail. And were you really single digit? Seven percent, man. Oh, I got I'm pretty, eight, sh- man. I I'm pretty sure I went back Ooh. again. <laughs> well, you, you, what? Eight percent. This guy was always what? like two or three percentage points better than me, but we were both <laughs> always at the bottom of the class for like years. Well, because you de- so. I DQ'd all the time. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. His scoring method is... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that, it kind of makes zero sense. really easily. Yeah, you really right. do not want to kill the person next to the person you're trying no, to shoot. It's not a good idea. You don't yeah. get welcome Interesting. Back. So you guys were literally single digits. I oh. didn't know that. Well, oh, yeah. I, uh, what, I did not know that. The one thing that, you know, I would counsel Jeff on now, which I think he's starting to recognize in himself, but at the time was a little bit of a blind spot, was people are differently abled. And as a Navy SEAL, you're, when you're not training other Navy SEALs that are perfect human specimens, <laughs> they may need to have, they need to solve problems around the gun. Mm-hmm. At, at that point in time, any, any vocalization I made about, I don't really know if this is the right thing for me or the right equipment or whatever, it came off sounding like an excuse because he's heard it 100,001 right. times. Yeah. So Absolutely. Why, would, why, why would he need to, to, to coach me personally on something I needed to get around? So that precipitated yet another discovery of, of, of gear. And I went, you know, now it became the Goldilocks. I got to find all the right stuff <laughs> to fix this problem in Jeff's class. So, okay. But you know, I, he, I, yeah, I've, I've heard this analogy a number of times <laughs> that, that people are basically, if you're into guns, you're probably a nerd. And I mean, like if you're really into guns, not if you're like, you know, I have a gun somewhere Yeah, because to do that, you have to have all this stuff. Gear centric. It, it's very gear centric. You have to have, I mean, I'm on a journey with that, but well, well, you, we'll you have there. to have it at least long enough to learn what works and doesn't work. And True. then you're like, ugh, this is garbage. And so you end up with a bunch of stuff, but you, it's sort of like tinkering. Like, is this carburetor going to work? No, it's garbage. Throw it away. Oh, what about this other one? Oh, it works pretty good, but it drains the battery for some reason or whatever. You know, you kind of like. But why is it that way? Because this is 
I, I look at it now and it's it's a very straight line. But only if you know. Only if true. You know. So true. That, that is a big difference between right. knowing because you don't know. I mean, who's who's the voice of reason on the internet well, about this? Oh well, this is here's this is the big elephant in the room is that the what no one wants to admit about starting and shooting is that it's ninety nine percent male and most of the industry is to is there to protect fragile male egos. Absolutely agree. It's not there to actually help you find the solution you're looking for. Or even to sell or even you a solution. You well, and it's also to sell you a solution to all your problems. Right. The, the, the gear centrism, I guess mm-hmm. if that's even a word, yes. uh, is, is the industry understands this. Uh, and this isn't anything against the industry. They're, they're appealing to their market, right? Which is mostly people not like us. Yep. It's mostly... But it's people who you used to be. Well, if you consider yourself like a golfer, right? yeah. this industry would seem very familiar to you because it involves hand-eye coordination, uh, stamina, thinking, and most of the time you're pissed off with your performance and so you're looking for the next gadget to fix whatever That's right. problem pro- yeah. props up. So it's not it's not as though it's, it's not unique. you, it's the sights. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> I got to have that I got to have that uh, that that dope grip to just really get around it. But for me, I really did have ergonomic hurdles um i had i had uh, eyesight problems that you know with the the at the time the religious fervor around shooting iron sights Mm -hmm. simply reduced my ability to stay in the class and keep up with the drills Mm -hmm. um because i was getting single digit percentages for years until i made some of those equipment changes tested them out and realize that, yes, there are some things, if you're differently able, that will allow you to perform um, better. Or at least it's a time hack that will allow you to overcome something that's that's problematic. But getting back to the point, what no one tells you is there is a level zero <laughs> in shooting. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're watching or listening to this and you don't know what I'm talking about, you're at level zero. <laughs> very likely. You can yeah. be in level zero for a very, very long time. Maybe your entire life. And it you may, may have be, a lot of aptitude. And you may shoot all the time. Yep. Yeah. It has nothing to do with money, frequency, uh, gear choice. Yeah. Uh, you only leave that zone when you are finally able to look at the paper and know why you did something you didn't. But before we get to that, to me, the big unlock coming out of that first, you know, spate of failures was I found this community of shooters. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have continued yeah. if I hadn't saw kind of a little bit of myself and guys like you on the other side of the classroom asking those good questions and trying to um, work through a lot of the same sorts of, of challenges in different ways. You know, though, Chris, I'll, I, while I agree with you, you know, and I mentioned earlier, you know, what, what kept me going. Uh, you mentioned Jeff and, and you know, his, his standard and everything else. Not having that information, right? The internet is a, a plethora of bad advice when it comes to firearms. And it's really impossible when you're at level zero, like you described, to, to tell what the difference is. There was something about Jeff that said, this is the goods, like, this person right. knows what they're doing. Yeah. They know just by his credentials alone, but his training methodology methodology felt really familiar to me 
because he was in the military. And even though I didn't do any kind of special operator type of training, there was just a certain legitimacy to his standard and his standard was brutal. (laughs) And (laughs) well, being like a metrics guy and a ranking and ratings kind of guy, this became the carrot for me. Well, I knew I couldn't find at that point. I knew I couldn't really find it elsewhere. So it was like water to a, a man in the desert. So I had to have more. And as I looked around for other sources of water, I kept continually finding things I didn't need. Mm. And it was very easy to start to Can you give me an example. Just yeah. what you mean by that. So thankfully the, the, the conversation, the zeitgeist around internet shooting. Now there is this discussion kind of vaguely about training. You need to get it. You got to train. Mm-hmm. It's, not really specific on how to define like your objective and your why, how to identify your why and then, then actually meet. That is that my objective. literally next question. So just get that in your Perfect. head right now. Yeah. I'd like to know your why. So the, the, the result is you can waste a lot of time in training and turn a lot of money into sound on your free weekends um, and still not really understand what you've done you may you may walk away with some new hard skills or you've done some things with the gun that that surprised you and gave you more confidence that that you can probably get from going to any class but will you know what you need to do tomorrow to maintain or better better yet improve and so i kind of then quickly got into competing because I followed the herd of people who were starting to think like me about guns Mm -hmm. and were kind of on this journey. But that's that then thankfully took me out of the internet swirl. uh, And I just started having conversations with with guys like you. And it was, it just was like, well, what's working for you? What, what are you struggling with? What, um, you know, and then hearing everybody go around the room and being really pissed that there were guys in the class that were getting 65, 75, 85% and like, what the, I mean, I shot almost as good as these guys. What's going on? And so to some extent, even the rigor built into his system forced me to at least go back again and see if I'd improved, Mm -hmm. which I've never gone back to any other trainer, firearms trainer, and I've been to a lot of training companies um, specifically because I want to then go back and determine have I actually improved. And I know I will get a grade. I know I will know. And it'll be the same standard. 100%. 100%. Right? Yeah. So going yeah. back time like and time again. From now, it'll probably be the same thing. Well, yeah. Well, I, I think I trained with Jeff for like three straight years. Same. Almost monthly. Sometimes the classes varied, but it, it was about passing his class, right, for a long time. Yeah, uh, and I know this sounds shifted. crazy, but you've got to have goals, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so this is your why right here. Well. Just passing. Passing, but. Also, this if you pass this class, then there was this additional carrot. Which is you, much harder than That sounds. you could draw from the holster. That he would give you a holster card. Mm-hmm. And that you'd be able to then practice drawing from the holster at the range. Uh, it I turned out that. that that turned out to be sort of a unicorn. But, uh, but it worked, mm-hmm. right? And so it was about passing his class and knowing that if you pass Jeff's class, at the very least... You're legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it kind of helped me make analogies to the other things that I had done in my life that were intense focus, investment heavy, 
and, and time intensive. So, you know, becoming a pilot, you have ratings and you have different uh, levels. And as a diver, you, you know exactly what you know and you don't know because you can see the progression. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's missing in many cases is just a visible understanding of what's next. What should I be working towards and thinking about? It wasn't my why to stay in and shoot, but it was the vehicle by wh that allowed me to continue justifying the investment. Mm. Well, you know, you, you, he, he, he struck on something that I definitely wanted to bring up today, which is you, you mentioned, we talked about gear centrism. We talked about uh, being tech nerds and things and numbers and number crunchers, but on another podcast, which I listened to a year or so ago, uh, which was also, it was a gun related pon podcast. It was brought up and I don't have the data on this, but there seems to be a lot of truth on it, that there is a strong correlation between Serious, like, firearms people, right? Scuba diving and piloting. Interesting. You're okay. a trifecta. And he's the trifecta, and I'm, and I'm, a, and I'm a paddy scuba instructor. <clears throat> I, I a hardcore scuba diving for years in all sorts of crazy I'm just waiting for better weather because that is literally the next thing I'm going to go do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, great. Yes. I'm serious. This guy's yes. been trying to... Are you serious? Yeah, I'm dead it. serious. I just, right. again, yeah, better well, weather. Then, then well, actually, the weather's been amazing, but, this, but it's also <laughs> January, so I'm always waiting for the weather to turn. Uh, but yeah, no, no, really. <clears throat> now, piloting, on the other hand, I have yeah. a little bit of an issue with because um, I like my alcohol, and so uh, I don't think that's going to jive well with the other things going on in my life. Eight hours bottom of the throttle. Yeah, exactly. Like the Russian way. <laughs> well, I know, I, we all as three as don't as mix with alcohol, right? What's that? All three don't mix with alcohol. That's true. Uh, diving too yeah which was strange that i'm really into booze as well mm -hmm. yeah, i like um, that too well <laughs> well here's, here's what i will common, i just realized yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the common thread for me the red thread is you are we are seeking mastery and control mm -hmm. we're seeking to overcome the environment we don't want the environment to dictate our human mm. limitations and that is a strong drive okay but yes why us and not others? We've taken a lot of classes, Ooh. and a lot of people have not followed this trajectory. Oh yeah, they've they're gone. Uh, like, uh, true. Eighty percent, ninety percent. Maybe maybe much higher. Oh, I, I have to go with higher. Yeah, yeah. ninety-five at least. Okay, but why? Like, why do you think they aren't following through? What I know a couple uh, of, of specific reasons, and people you and I you and I know. Uh, Let's face it, no part of being graded in that class was in is ever comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, so the question is, when you're graded, how do you react? Uh, how does that affect you? Can you stay focused on what that grade is telling you and what it, it can help you do? Or are you... Yeah, but why do you care? I think it's kind of the question. Why do I care that I got graded badly or that I didn't? Why do you care about your score at all? Um, uh, the true stoic would say, who cares? I've just, I just did. The I thing. just came here to learn some stuff and then leave. <laughs> I did or didn't. And well, I, 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 I thankfully was able to keep close to that. I mean, I was so enthralled. Like I, I'm so embarrassed to say this publicly, but I wrote this embarrassing email to Jeff after the first class basically trying to become like his personal brander to help his business succeed. Cause I oh, yeah. thought everybody needed to know this. Thing. Like I'm like, dude, you're sitting on gold. What are you doing? Here's 
50 suggestions right off the <laughs> top of my head on a Sunday night after I've been in a class for two days. Um, no, but I, I, I think that, uh, I think what it did was energize me. And what I observed from other people who were in those classes, who I was close to that did not come back, um, it was either an extreme frustration and not finding their breakthrough that ultimately weeded them out. But more importantly, it was just, fuck this guy. There I was mean, a lot of that. Who, yeah. who, who, who was he to say that I'm, I'm any good or, you know, his, his, this isn't the military, you know, he, he can't talk to me like that. And I'm like, first of all, I look back at it and I'm like, I don't recall Jeff ever being, he was managing the range. He was managing safety. Yeah, of course. I, I, I never at one point ever felt like I was attacked or somehow. And, and, but there are people who will say that they had a very negative experience. Um, and um, some people are more fragile. I don't know. They are They're They're more easily offended or they didn't know what to expect from Jeff. And they, I mean, you're expecting, you're right. They're expecting affirmation. Yeah, exactly. And and they spent money. And so why aren't they better? Um, Right. Or why didn't they pass? Yeah. Because there's a lot of egos involved for sure. Well, and it's funny, the more people you talk to who have spent a lot of times around guns, they also dislike being graded. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and so you'll see people actively avoid or disparage his, specifically his method and the Tricon program. Well, because uh, I think there is ego component. They've, they've become just good enough. And maybe with a little bit of in, internet sensationalism wrapped around them, they've carved out a niche as uh, someone who knows more than other people. And to, to challenge that or grade that or put themselves uh, hold them by another standard is also very threatening. You know, I, I would, I would say, uh, in my exposure to, as, as I think I, I don't think I actually have mentioned, I'm a very avid competitive, uh, firearms sports. We're, we're going to get to that. I know, but, but, but the, <laughs> contextually people need to know this, yeah. that, that there, I've encouraged so many people to come out right and and get involved and some of the people that are have been shooting for years own 50 firearms lots of ammo and they are know every statistic you ever heard of but they don't want to be tested yeah in any way and so and honestly that's 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 okay but it will only take them so far right but it's it's an unwillingness to commit right right to to your own personal excellence and you know you asked about the why uh, I think for me, what drives me, cause I can't speak to other people, but I'm never satisfied with myself. Mm. That sounds sad, right? Maybe depressing a little, but it, it, it's a driver for me. It's no matter how good I am, it's never enough. Right. I, I'm very satisfied with myself, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am too when I look back at it, but in the moment, what drives me forward is I could have done better. Well, it's interesting because in this case, um, it, it is the same motivation. Mm-hmm. It's just, but, but why I have no real yeah. thing to hang on? Like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, I also, you know, run like you do and have compet- competed in a lot of other things. Yeah. I, I, I honestly haven't other than the fact that I really honestly believed this is one thing in life I can't afford to be bad at. Mm. And, and that's just, I can't shake that. I can't shake that idea that, um, this is so fundamental, 
right? We wouldn't be talking about this and being all introspective if this was 150 years ago. Because it might, depending on your life circumstance, literally be the difference between you breathing tomorrow and mm. not, or you making it through the winter. And, and that was a very widely accepted rationale up until very recently. Mm. I mean, my childhood, that was still an accepted rationale, but it's not anymore. And, 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 and no one even believes that, it, that that's true in the modern era, even if it might be for a lot of people. So for me, I cannot imagine being, I can't look at myself in the mirror and be like, oh, you're just adequate at this. Because mm. God help me if I ever have to meet someone who's better at this than me and I'm on the wrong side of the barrel. Okay, so that's the first time I've heard either of you mention self-defense. Yeah. No, you're good. Um, so that that is, and it always has been my why. Yeah. Always. It just, was never mine initially. Just self-defense. I mean, I would say that it was mine. I would, I would, that would have been a token response in the beginning, but I look back on it and I'm like, no, you didn't do anything to really protect yourself back in the day. You weren't physically fit. You weren't trained trained in martial arts or blades. Chris, like, what what are you thinking? Why okay, guns? okay, we'll we'll get to all that. Yeah. Uh, but, but I'm curious. So so for me, like, I've had a lot of death threats. For instance, mm, you know, I've had I've had multiple break ins to houses I used to live in once upon a time. You know, yeah. you know, miscreants. You know, just yep. random random you know opportunistic crime kind of thing. But the death threats were real, made or at least some of, of them. Some of them were real. Some of them were absolute garbage. But you know, some of them were like, "This is a this is a person who's going to come and try to find me." And um, you know, back channel, I could see this happening. You know, I have I have a special set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> I have never felt like it was a possibility to be bad at it, and right. yet I was. This is the conundrum, right? So, so that gnaws at you. That, that that chews at the fiber of your self-confidence and your ability to go back out into the world that you now understand is a lot more dangerous than you really appreciated. Because I, I think for people who maybe are listening or watching this and, and don't have a lot of experience with guns, imagine if you now know that you're bad at this and you've been around, even just other people in the class that are better than you, all of a sudden the whole world's better than you. Oh yeah, well that you know, becomes a legitimate psychological <laughs> driver. Well, that's that that you know when I discovered that I was terrible at firearms and was on this journey to not suck. Uh, people along the way, especially here in Texas, it, it's fairly straightforward to get a carry permit, and uh, uh, and it's a you know it's a it's pretty an affirmative culture. It, yeah, it's a very pro two way kind of state. People encouraged me repeatedly to get my carry license. And I just refused to do it until I was good enough for the same reasons you just sort of described was I suddenly know I suck at these things, right? So why on earth would I go out and get a license and then start actively carrying? And it wasn't because, well, hey, you can empower your own self-defense. For me, it was, I'm not really sure I am going to empower my self-defense. More likely, I'm going to just shoot the unintended targets. And this is level zero. This is level zero. If you're you're wanting to know what differentiates (laughs) level zero and level one, it's it's safety and and the the absence of ego. Yeah. So you know what I love about I I gotta say this, I love this about Texas. And I have acquired quite a bit of 
of uh, psychology around self-defense, and it's, it's a very big deal for me now. Uh, and one of the things I really love about Texas, I do love that it is a, you know, a pro-2A state. Uh, I love that they uh, pass legislation to bring out open carry uh, for reasons we can go into later. Uh, but ultimately, and, and, and even this stuff that allows for all these different types of weapons to be carried, which I would love to talk about as well. But the thing is, is that with, with firearms, this state can be like sort of a shining star of an example of how a 2A state can be successful but I feel we haven't done enough. And what I would love to see legislatively in Texas, and I don't know what the money and the funding and all that other fun stuff would, or how you would sort that out, but if we could take it to the next level where it's not just that you can open carry without a license, because you can now here, it's let's do state-funded training. Oh my God, that's like... Blows the mind, right? <laughs> right. The idea is or stand, let's not have everyone be level zero. Let's have everyone be at least level one. Right? And, uh, and make it easy and accessible. And uh, I know that, you know, it would just continue to drive that. that and it would allow states that are very counterculture uh, to Texas and, you know, and want to say, you know, this is the worst thing you can do. Instead show dropping crime rates and like lower death rates and everything across the board, yet a higher per capita gun rate and self-defense would just really cancel those arguments. I'm, I'm really interested in your perspective on, on this too, because I look at this as, you know, you're, you're in your journey started in, in your professional career started as one who is working in the ambiguity of, of the early internet and creating useful order if not for profit, if, if, you know, for fun and for other reasons. And you get to this point where standards now are just really necessary. Mm-hmm. And if anything, one of the, the challenges still today is that there isn't a good corporate governance standard to measure C, CIOs and CTOs against, right? We saw this with like <laughs> the, the hacks in Vegas and stuff like this when <laughs> people are saying, yeah, I took that. I took the weekend class. I'm, I'm certified. I'm, I'm a CSIO. You know, it, 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 it kind of goes for personal defense too. Like I would just love a standards body. I would love yeah. a, a common language. I would, I mean, it'd be nice if we had state subsidized training, but I, yeah. I, I don't know enough if I even necessarily need that. If we're, if we're all talking about taking care of each other and ourselves in the same way. Generally what happens is there's competing bodies. That's the problem. You have 18 different companies who want to provide the service. Those companies all have competing interests and ideas on what would be a standard and you just never get consensus. That's how you end up with like 20 versions of authentication. You know, everyone's going to have single factor authentication and you know, they're all just going to use my federated identity system and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, now you have 20 of them as opposed to just one. Well, I just want to see people taking the guns they're purchasing and learning how to actually use them. Okay, so let's talk about training. <clears throat> where where do you see the average person walking in the door? Mm-hmm. Like, what what is, what is the experience when you see people who've just never shot before walking in? What what are they like? Like, how do you terrifying? How do you, how do you get them from nothing to level one? Like, what does sure. that training cycle look like? Do you want to start? 
I know I, I actively I, teach. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Ed's qualified to talk about how the transformation I, comes about you, for do me. You, do you treat teach as well? I mean, just for fun, just uh, to people you need to. On the side. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I, okay, so yeah. all three of us teach then. I mean, I try I to pass on get, what I know. I don't I, get paid yeah. for it. I do it Same. for fun. Um, but that's very important information. So you teach what happens when someone walks in who's never shot before. The, the thing that, that really bugs me and the, the, the only part of shooting that I really care passionately about making sure that I can like affect in people is turning it from one of two starting points, a toy. I'm here at the bachelor party to have fun and turn money into sound. And yeah, I got a picture of me behind a full auto. I appreciate that's a kind of important part of the economic business that a lot of ranges need to sustain. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm glad someone even took the risk of going out and doing something they never conceived of doing before, especially if they're not from the United States. Yeah. Um, the second one is taking away the idea that a gun is a talisman. I am protected because I own it. I would rather you not have a gun if you believe the simple act of purchasing it changes your life in any way. Well, and we saw that in the pandemic, right? Absolutely. But you know, it's wonderful that there was this amazing Surge. upswing of, of, of new first time gun owners because a certain slice of that percentage ended up getting to level one, two, three, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, and so that's been a great thing for the sport and for, for the industry in general. But so many people did just what you described. They went, during those first few months, bought a gun, bought one box of ammunition, and it's still in their sock drawer, protecting them. Or worse yet, they're carrying it in the misguided <laughs> belief that they're protected. And, and if you've ever seen a video of a firearm used against its owner, I can assure you there are a lot of people out there. And if, and if you're you know listening or watching to this and, and, and you feel like, you haven't done enough training based on the, the way we're talking about it and thinking about it. The answer is you're right. You have it. I agree. And I, I don't have, I don't need an empirical basis for that. It's, it's the idea that if you can't meet some of these minimum standards that are out there, that, that, that all of us are now very familiar with, um, we very much understand that you're barely safe, let alone effective, mm -hmm. let alone, um, Capable. John Wick, badass. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever you need. Because that's your what head, a lot of so. people are thinking. They, for sure. As yeah, you said, they sure. come and they do the mag dump. Like, wow, I'm fast. I'm fast mm -hmm. at shooting. Well, what you're fast at doing is pulling a trigger, but badly. Sure. <laughs> five yards and I mean, and not hitting. putting it all over the paper. If an alien yeah. came down and was like, "What is this shooting thing you described? Explain it to a five-year-old." I'd say, "You have to hold an explosion in your hands." And in the ability to control that explosion will determine whether you live or die. Mm. That's, that's what it is. So it, the more you can control and direct that energy, that, that, that mass, that is the actual skill. It's, it's a precision sport, whether, oh, yes. whether you want to look at it in those terms or not. And so as a result, it's perishable. As a result, it requires a minimum amount of time and connection to it to be good. And that's not, me saying that because I'm at at some point, I'm just, I'm like, there isn't another alternative. Okay. <clears throat> so I believe it was Plato, but I'm not hundred percent sure it was <laughs> uh, Plato or Epictetus. I can't remember. Oh. One of them was basically saying like, I'd rather be a, a wrestler than like a archer or a, a bowman or something. I can't remember, you know, spearman or something mm -hmm. like that. 
because I always have it on me uh-huh. as a part of the martial arts, which it really, really is. It's Absolutely. just a different kind of martial art. Like, where do you see it ranking amongst, you know, doing karate or jujitsu or something else? Mm. It's hard for me to speak intelligently about those because I also haven't tried and mastered those. So I, you know, what you're hearing, or what you're about to hear is one asshole's opinion. <laughs> I, Believe maybe two assholes. Two's out, two assholes. <laughs> I might not say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think all of them are valid. The point, I, I think the thing, and this is a, I, I, I'm sure you'll resonate with this from, from your experience with BJJ is that as long as you are not afraid of closing the distance, sometimes you don't have a choice. I, I That's mean, the problem. Most of the time. That's the real problem. Unless you're the one initiating contact, you are going to be contacted. And, and, Okay, but the other version of that is sometimes you don't have a gun on you. If you're at a bar, there's, there's situations. You know, like there's, it's inevitable. What are you going to do? You just not defend yourself? So there's more than one tool in the toolbox most of the time. It just so happens that a gun is kind of like a multi-tool. Whereas, you know, hand-to-hand combat sports are limited by your physical manipulation of space. So this is where, this is why guns exist, right? Is because we did wrestle and poke and stab and punch and break for millennia. The only thing that has changed in the last 500 years is the distance at which we can deliver the effect. So and it, it's and, the and, most capable tool. And your size. I mean, look at the two of you guys. Yeah, yeah I was actually going to mention that. You're, so You are not the same height, weight, class. I wrestled enough to know that like a 115-pound guy can kick the shit out of me. True. Pretty fast. True. Yeah. I, my weight is not a... a, a I'm, but a on a typical like boxing match, let's say, fair, it right. would yeah, be okay. completely unfair. Oh, yeah. it would be. So, you know, what? one thing I'm sure neither of you know about, first of all, for those who aren't watching or... Seeing me, I'm a five foot four, and when I was uh, uh, in my twenties, I probably weighed 130 pounds. All right, I weigh a little more than that now, but not a lot more. Uh, Lucky. Person. I used to. Uh, so I do agree. You know, the idea of me getting into a physical confrontation with my fists uh, is not optimal, especially or wrestling for that matter. That's not to say I couldn't, but less optimal. What neither of you know because I've never talked about this, is I used to do a lot of knife fighting. Uh, like awesome. Meeting in parking lots, 10 o'clock at night, in random locations and fighting with knives. Obviously blunted mm-hmm. so that we wouldn't kill each other, but it was very dangerous, very savage, and so much fun. <laughs> okay? And I got hurt a lot. And I had a lot of bruised ribs and things like that over it because we would be stabbing and slashing each other. But I was fairly effective with that. And so there was already sort of that self-defense component. I don't know why I was doing it. It was fun. It was hard to do. It was a little dangerous. It, and, uh, but it also was an equalizer mm-hmm. for someone yeah. like myself, right? So somebody big like yourself, Chris, were to come at me, I can carry a knife. And I can carry it kind of anywhere. I'm glad you brought up Samuel Colt's famous phrase, Equalizer is really important component. And as a, as a, as a, you know, I used to have great eyesight 2020 loved, loved everything about manipulating objects at speed in 3d space when I was younger. And, uh, you know, when you, 
when you have to land like 2000 pounds of aluminum moving a couple hundred miles an hour, um, you start to kind of put things, try to put risks in like a real trade-off context. And what I look at it is, can I do this thing and protect myself most of the time? Mm-hmm. And, and here's where the fragile male ego part kind of comes in both in positive and negative ways. I don't have that 20, I'm far away from that, that person now. And I could put a lot of time, energy and money into a physique or a, um, a skill set that, that involved, you know, martial, martial combat. I'm kind of self-aware enough at this point that <laughs> that might be a longer journey than this pistol <laughs> thing that I'm doing too. Right. So at some point, you know, where, where are you at with that skill set? And it's constantly shifting, so, right? So if I were to invite you and I'd say, yeah. let's go, oh let's my. go, let's go do this thing together. Let me get my singlet. Not, not literally <laughs> right here. Oh, damn. I'm glad you brought your singlet though. That's uh, <laughs> always <laughs> it's like a gun. drunk. Yeah. Just in case I, I pull out the gun or the singlet. <laughs> and you're like, What's next? Um, but what if we sit like, let's go do this together. It would be, it would be a group of, I mean, I have a little bit more skill doing this than you, but you know, people who are not experts, mm. you know, we would all be humiliated by experts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would be humiliated by either of you, but but but, <laughs> but maybe not Ed, because as he maybe said, it, it is a skill I mean, thing. And that's it, true. And if you, you make the mistake of getting inside of this circle, maybe but like, no, no, or but, staying inside this. But uh, no, but yeah. I, it's not just that. I mean, you are competitive. Sure. That's that's I think the thing that I'm taking away from this. I see. It well, actually, it's isn't, a minimum component. It isn't really a skill thing, because. If it was just skill alone, people would stop. It's also grit. It's also working through it to get the extra skill and then the extra, extra skill. And just it's very continue. rewarding. It's extremely rewarding in the sense that like you, you can't acquire this professionally. You can't acquire. I mean, there's can't read a book on it. There's a, and, I, I think and a native American it. saying or something. I mean, I, I'm sure I saw it in a movie, but, <laughs> But essentially, <laughs> the last thing I want to be is old and feeble and not dangerous anymore. Like, mm-hmm. that's the date of fear. Mm-hmm. And that, that was part of the beginning of the mindset journey was a recognition of what I'm not anymore. And a, out of necessity, acquiring a new skill set to equalize the threat environment. That's funny. Like very often I daydream about what it would be like to have a future version of me come back in time mm. and whether I'd want to confront that person physically, you know, go mm. and get into some altercation. And I decided absolutely not ever. It's better shot than because, you now. Yes, because <laughs> the future version of me is going to be better yeah. Yeah. and dangerous and much mm. more dangerous in ways I can't even comprehend necessarily. Like right. these are whole new skills that maybe not even existing currently, but in the future... Yeah that Robert will have mastered them and be very, very dangerous. The real frustrating part about past Chris James is up until probably 2020, oh, I could kick my own ass. It didn't matter how or when, I know I could go back and kick my own ass. Let alone, you know, wreck, wreck a lot. And, and that's not because I've gotten much better at, at really anything except shooting. It's because I was so damn oblivious. Mm. It's not going to happen to me. It's not something I have to worry about. It's not a priority. It's not... I didn't have anything precious to to kind of focus on. Um, those things are all true, but 
boy, I wish I had picked this up earlier because I also would have been a lot better at it younger too. And Amen. I missed out on this opportunity Amen. to to kind of spend some really great time aging into this thing. I wish I had that too. Yeah. Or that for some reason when I was 10 years old, I was training with firearms. Oh, man. Oh. So, but you know, to, to kind of come back to something, we talk about self-defense a lot. I know we haven't dove into it per se, but... One of the things that's really important, you know, we talk about kicking our own asses and knives and guns and whatever, but motivation. One of the things that's really important to me in all of this, because we talk about guns and what would I do this, shoot this threat, stop the threat, and it all sounds very terminal and very kill-focused, right? Um, I want to stress that I have no desire to kill people. I don't want to have to use a gun ever, right? I want to be prepared to use it if I must. And there are, and thank God, inside the more active community that I'm involved with, there isn't this bravado yeah. or machismo, but there is a lot of that in the community, like the larger, just the larger level zero community to kind of use right. here, right? Which is, you know, I, I want to have a gun so I can use it. And they may not say that, but it's 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 kind of baked into the into their their speech patterns and right. and the way they communicate is that they want to be a badass and they want to employ this this weapon. And or I want to stress talisman effect. I have spent five thousand dollars on this AR, so I must be must use it and, and must be a badass. Unless you're at a birthday party, you just you know, I mean, clack off a couple rounds. Yeah, you know, that's different I mean, for, wed <laughs> for <laughs> weddings in Kazakhstan. I mean, you know, but I no guess big deal. That's my message, right? If there's someone out there who's listened to this and has heard and, and maybe subscribed to the idea that they're level zero, I would ask them another question. And that would be, why do you have a gun? Right? Is it for your self-defense or is it for the wrong reasons? It's kind of like, hate to use the karate kid, okay? But it's, are you the Mr. Miyagi side or are you the Cobra Kai side? Right? right. And if you're Cobra Kai... You need to reevaluate. I would ask you to not carry a gun because your motives in a moment could be wrong, right? It might not be self-defense. You might be fast to use the gun when you shouldn't. Well, even if you're skilled or you might or even want to in it for the wrong reasons. And, 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 and it does, I mean, what I appreciate, so this is what I really appreciate about these life and death or sorry, I'm not going to make it even that, that dramatic. These risk-based things that I choose to do, like flying and diving, and, and is yes, there's a component of control and mastery of that, and that's that's a that's a human drive. That's you know a, a Maslow's hierarchy of needs thing. The the nice the bigger thing, I think, is that that tie that that interlinks motivation and your desire to give up resources to to. To, pers to pursue something like this is the fact that it creates focus. Mm. And this is maybe where Marshall, the Marshall component can do it, but doesn't always. Because um, you might just want to compete at BJJ, right? It's athletic. What's that? It keeps you ripped. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm like, he keeps saying it. And I'm like, finally, I'm going to ask. <laughs> I should ask now. <laughs> what is that thing? Um, That's very telling. What we're trying to it do. means even more that I need to introduce you. 
we we need to get <laughs> right, close to right. death to to know how close and or how far away we are. I think mm. there's something about that. Um, and so when you add this risk, you also elevate your focus and attention. And I can't describe to anybody who doesn't do that. My sister, for example, is so risk averse. Um, even, even travel decisions are based off of what not, what I, what I don't want to see or what I don't want to be near or whatever. Like and actual fear of, of being hurt. Or? I don't, I actually don't even think it's real fear. It's just this this mental block that when there is risk, that is something to just be avoided. Just, just let's just avoid it. Wow. Like I'm not going to go scuba diving. It looks and sounds super cool. I believe everything you're saying, Christian. Love your pictures, but there's sharks in that water. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, I see. I see. So I mean, once you get down there and you swim with them, it turns out it's not that big of a deal. Once you land that 2000 pounds of aluminum and don't die, you know, it's possible. And so it creates a new affirmation mm -hmm. that you can cling to and, and kind of, I guess becomes something of an addiction to constantly test yourself with that control. Like I love nothing more. When I fly, the only thing I care about is my landing. Where I put the plane. Huh. I, I, Hopefully not running into anything as well. He's not concerned about it. As it sounds. <laughs> that, that part I'm not worried about because the intense preparation I put into avoiding objects, you know, right. other flying high objects uh, is, a, is a lot. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to come back down. Right. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of I look at the same at firearms, the same way or even combat sports. When you know that focus. And I, I have ADHD bad mm -hmm. i don't know that focus in every part of my life so for me it's it's it really does have a psychochemical component it makes sense okay so back to something ed you i think you said very early on um cops oh were, were an example <laughs> bad but, boys, yeah. bad boys. so i think people perceive being in the military being in the police department being a special operator or whatever is somehow going to make them good when they walk in the range. Right. <clears throat> and some of them, as you said, might be good on the whole. Are they, I mean, like where do you, what would you rank the average person who walks in with some f formal firearms training? I don't have metrics obviously. So it's just my exposure. Right. But, uh, if I had to guess, uh, from my exposure, maybe 50% of the police force is capable, like really capable. Like their, their, their skill is adequate to what I would consider my standard. Uh, maybe half of them, so one quarter, are really good, right? And they, 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 they dedicate themselves to being excellent. Now, are they good because of the training they received or are they good because of training they took I think outside of the my training impression being that I was never in the police force. Sure. Right. Therefore I, I am speaking from a, from a position of definite ignorance. Right. Uh, is that, but my exposure to those police officers, they're the ones in competitive sports. They're the ones that are dry firing at night. They're practicing and they're putting in the time like everybody else who's serious. Right. And they're excellent because of it. Though others are, there's a lot of, I wouldn't call them all level zero, but they're, they're like 
level one. They're really hoping they don't actually have to use the skill set. Um, that that's really what I mean. There there is either an actual fear of using it or no desire to get closer to it. I mean, yeah. let's not let, let's not dance around it. A lot of people believe the if we had a gun out here on the table, some segment of the audience would be their eyes would be transfixed on it because they're waiting for it to shoot one of us, like point itself at us and ostensibly go off. Or maybe they think we're all just completely insane. And one of us is going to pick it up and shoot one of the three people in this room. Mm. Right. Well, there's a segment of society that doesn't under really understand what what's happening when you're shooting. So the other part who are forced to use it, um, I, I've had the privilege of going to a couple of classes where on my right, I had infantrymen and on my left, I had Austin SWAT <laughs> and Marine on my left. I had two APD SWAT, at least guys claiming SWAT wanting to be in, let's say probably training to get into SWAT. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I can, all I can tell you is what I saw in the paper. Mm-hmm. And the great part about it was there was very little difference between me and them. Um, well, either that's affirming or alarming. I think what, it went was, well. Was uh, this when you were at single digits? Or <laughs> yeah, still. <laughs> yes, this was this was still at single digits, but kind of. I had started to break out of just Jeff's curriculum exclusively. Okay, that's and not I, that's not a great. You know, that's not uh, a big rubber stamp. No. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, by Jeff's standard, that would still be single digits in this class. Uh, we didn't have grades so I the papers it. look pretty good <laughs> no I, I i would say i would say that uh you know you guys can rest easy the the people who are paid to defend us know more than the other people i'm talking about sure um but does that make them as proficient as ed actually no it may surprise a lot of people in your audience to, to understand that competitive shooters shoot way more Oh my! Then yes. your limited tax dollars can afford even the military Amen. to shoot. He's shooting probably as much as maybe special forces, and that might sound oh, and go. I'm not qualifying myself as but no, such. no, no. He can't. No. He, he's not. He's no. not in that cadre. But they pull the trigger the same amount. And again, it, reps alone is not skill, as yeah. we no. know, yeah, right? Absolutely. And it took me many years to get out of single digits in Jeff classes, and I had a lot of reps. Yeah. Um, it was different things coming together to create the skill and allow me to unlock additional yeah. levels and look at where we're at now. The last class we took was three, three, four months ago. Um, the new big unlock there. And of course, Jeff calls it, well, you guys are now at level one. Thanks Jeff. Appreciate <laughs> Thank it. you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Loved that comment. But there was something really, I think important about it was now we can forecast our skill. Level one, but we're at level three. We're at the end of yeah. end of level one, poking at his con- concept of level two. But the big skill difference there is now we can. Was DP three is his own? Is yeah, his own, exactly. Yeah, DP three is his own. But he in so his, you hear that, Jeff? You're gonna have to change that. Well, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, he told me he's like, yeah, that's still like I still put that in my level one program. <laughs> you know, but, I'm always humbled. But 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 I, I'm sorry. No, I you're think, fine. I think you know when we look at. Com- people who are really in the sport to compete uh, and trans, trans go beyond I'm here for personal defense, but I want to get so good. I can go really fast and shoot really accurately or move with the gun, apply all these other. Well, there's different kind of motives for skills, that, for which sure. I'll be happy to go into, but sure. uh, back to the original point of the police. Um, uh, and you made a great point about funding and the cost, right? I think what my issue is, isn't that I, I know that there are limited funds and that just like in the military, you apply 
those funds and the training appropriately based on the role and the position. But, but the issue for me isn't that there are police officers who are not very good. It's the public's assumption that they are. Well, they're right around right? the corner to help you too. Right. Supposedly. And the same with the military, as I pointed out earlier yeah. in the conversation, which is, oh, you're ex-army, then you must be good. No, not necessarily. Now, what I will tell you in my experience, what I have seen of special operators, they're all really good. Are they? Yeah. I haven't yeah. met a real special operator that had the real credentials that wasn't a bad, at least a badass. And if I had to now, take there my... might be some, but I have never met one. That doesn't mean they're a good teacher or that they're good at, at, at communicating that, but their capabilities were there. I'm like, I'm glad to hear that. I have encountered a few that were surprisingly bad for what they said they did. Then so, did well, they have like le- legit credentials? I was going to say, I let's did, remember I, the special ops community. I know exactly. exactly. Right. How right. would right. I know? Right. Yeah. Right. It's a big, it's a big community. There's a lot of people in it and, and skill is a, a spectrum. And also, you know, people's skill drifts over time of as course. well. It's so perishable skill. It is a pair. Well, and also, you know, your eyes can change, your hands can change, right? There's a lot of things that could cause injury or whatever. So I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, yeah. But, but it is sus- suspiciously bad for <laughs> the title you have or you claim to have. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, it's really easy to, to throw around title in this industry and stuff like that. And I think that's why the question is, is really good. What I really appreciate about your question is can we assume any with anyone who picks up a gun, a basic or set or minimum viable product with that? And the answer is very much no, I think for everybody, cause it's all time dependent. Okay. It's, so th- you know. this, this was the crux of why I wanted you here. Mm. Neither of you, you told me what you did. Neither of you have any reason, any reason at all to be good at guns. Mm. I mean, like, not really. Oh, my God. Not, no. not really. Not really. It's not like you're out there trying to defend us on the front lines of something or whatever, or having to arrest you guys aren't you know, the next, next terrorist or whatever. You don't have that. That's not what. In fact, I actively live a life to avoid those risks. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I mean, the rest of my life is tuned so that the... I, I just survived the one in a million. Mm. I'm not, I'm not in a dangerous job. I don't live in a, a particularly dangerous area and I have no you, reason. You have to had my some crime near uh, your house uh, in near my house been robbed in California. I, I, I definitely have reasons to not believe that I just can walk around with impunity in the world because I'm white but, and I'm middle-class. But, and that makes but some, the cool part is you guys, I think represent some weird, upper echelon of shooters and hard to define hard to define but i see a lot of people shoot too i mean Mm -hmm. i've trained a lot of people from nothing from literally never shot before obviously they're zero right as you Mm -hmm. said and then there's the people who are they pick it up quickly you know they're they're shooting out of 25 yards shooting eight inch rings quickly like you know in one day they've figured it out and they're they're doing everything right level one on day one it's amazing it's amazing to watch. It's some rare. People have some really cool aptitude. Yeah. It's, it's rare. I've seen it literally twice. Yeah, my wife's that way. Um, and then you have, you know, the next level, right, where you're, like, starting to really group it in. And it's getting more complicated. There's stressors. There's speed components. There's reloads. There's, you know. Mm-hmm. So much. Things going wrong with the gun, et cetera. 
Okay, so we're certainly not level one because I think level one is just shooting the target <laughs> with what whatever time constraints not you want. To, not shooting, shooting yourself, target, unloading and loading discrimination. Safely, right? That's right. That, that to me, that's level one. That's level one. I can level zero for me. I mean, I think yeah, I think you can't. I can't. I think you can't. No, no, no. And shooting the target. Like accurately? Yes, accurately shooting the target. I think if you're going to... With no stressors at all. I mean, it depends on how many levels we're talking about here, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but, but yeah. to me, level one is if you can unload, load, and shoot the target accurately okay. at, at a virtually any distance, you know, out to 25 yards. Sure. Yeah, I would that's, say that. I would uh, agree with that. That's I'd say that's level one. I certainly right, under, with no stressors. Yeah, I was no going to say, I would certainly look no at somebody stressors. like that and say, uh, let's go shoot. Like yeah. I, my reaction to that would be awesome. Let's go shoot. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about my life just standing near you. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe we can learn from each other. So yeah, I think so. Well, yeah. so that's kind of a good transition for, for competitive shooting. So yeah. uh, uh, also, cause obviously Jeff Gonzalez has been a huge pivotal part of my journey. Uh, I don't really train with him much anymore, but he was absolutely my Mr. Miyagi of sorts. Right. Uh-huh. But the, he had competitions every once in a while. There was a period where on, I think it was like once a month on Sunday mornings that they would have this gunfighter competition. And uh, it was some kind of weird thing he invented that was sort of like USPSA, which is a United States Practical Shooting Association, which is one of the more popular uh, competitive uh, firearm sports. But the, uh, I remember this moment. I, I went to shoot that and I was like, middling with him in his classes right and i drew the gun from my holster and i raised it to the target and i remember specifically it was my sti uh <laughs> oh the STI and, and, it, and it limited yeah and it was and it, i saw it vibrating right the gun was up and i could see the end of the barrel literally shaking from the stress of this and i was awful again and it was really powerful moment of to your point a level one shooter let's just say that i was at that time a level one shooter i realized there was a level two right yeah and that under any kind of stress i was just awful again Mm -hmm. and that was and and how do you get stressors how do you now you can't say you can't say uspsa is real world at any in under any circumstance but the idea that you're moving forward laterally uh, negotiating um, terrain uh, and lo- you know reloading, firing at multiple targets at different targets, sometimes moving targets. So, how many Jeff classes did you take before you were frustrated that you weren't moving? You knew this was a flat range, and you felt your skill stagnating. Because to me, that's also a commonality in Jeff's classes because the fundamentals are so well, religiously enforced. Well, but that I'm like, uh, yeah, I want to move with this thing. Yeah, I want to know what uh, I can yeah, do but, outside. Yeah, but there's it. also like physical limitations where we were. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. nothing against like him or the class design. It, it is literally just a limitation of the, the range environment and frankly yeah. being safe. To answer yeah, your right. question though. But, but it gnaws at you. You're like, I struggled you? for a long time. So my frustration was very low. It was, I was still just trying to hit the target at 25 yards, right? But at that point where I started to recognize that in order to actually, if you ever needed to apply this skill, right, under stress, just with the competitive stress in a range, in a controlled situation, I fell apart. I realized everything I'd learned up to this point was just still garbage. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> it, it was super mind eye opening, and I said that's why I got into competitive sports because it wasn't to level up or to become a, a whatever class shooter. It was I I I started recognizing there's uh, like memory stress, mm -hmm. uh, movement stress. Uh, competitive stress, stress. Per self like personal performance stress other people watching you stress timing is a big one right and just so many other things right yeah and having to shoot under the clock you know uh, as we even see in Jeff classes when he brings and introduces, introduces a timer things Jeff fall apart flinch or they yeah. shoot too fast or whatever right and don't learn how to use their time appropriately but the point was that's what's driven me and then of course all the other things in that sport that help kind of keep you hooked. But I can shoot much better, far better than I ever could before under, under those okay. normal range conditions. While we're on this topic, yeah, because um, it changes regularly, so I'm not going to try to guess. Where are you ranked currently? Oh, I, I'm not going to throw numbers Come out. Come on. No, because I don't actually know right now. Yeah, and, approximately. And they're we're, not official numbers. I, I would say, so my primary sport, that I focus on. I do shoot USPSA, USPSA, but I also am very specialized in what's called Steel Challenge, which is also owned by uh, USPSA. And it is primarily speed shooting at steel targets. Uh, they're very standardized courses, but they range in their wide arcs uh, and the steel at ranges anywhere between, I think about seven yards and 35 yards. And you're expected to draw from what they call surrender, which is uh, above your head so, or above your hands or above your shoulder. And on a tone, you draw your pistol from a holster and you engage these targets as fast as you can and you must hit them. All right. Uh, and there are these times called peak, which is like a hundred percent score. And they are generally around two and a half seconds uh, for most of the scenarios for, for probably at least five ultra clean hits, if not more like seven to eight. Yeah. So it's an extremely like difficult time hack challenge. Yes. Uh, as you know, just hitting par and stuff on like a 10 or 12 round drill. And that doesn't involve multiple targets or lateral movement. Right. And so. the average person, if you just said, put them in front of these targets as their first time there and they're even modestly able to mm -hmm. draw from the holster, their first shot will probably be in five or six seconds as opposed to drawing, engaging and hitting all the targets across a wide array uh, successfully in like 2.5. So where I fall inside that sport uh, right now, based on numbers that I've seen for like recent scoring, I'm in about the top three, 4% of the sport. Which puts you at rank what approximately? I don't know. Uh, you mean, he's at least master. Well, I'm my he's, current he's, ranking in what's called carry optics, which is essentially a, a, a gun with a red dot sight on it, uh, is master. Uh, my percentage until they just recently changed all the numbers was about 91 or 90%. And, uh, but ironically, when you look at the actual scoring uh, of the current metrics, I'm actually much higher percentage against the, the current active shooting nice. um, body of people. So I question the accuracy of their, their metrics, but, <laughs> but give me a way. number. What's the number? I don't actually know. I was 80, I was eight, a couple weeks ago. I was 83. You were 83. Number 83 out of uh, several thousand. All right. In the sport. So that's not nothing. That no. is, that is 
I wouldn't call that level one. He also has the benefit. Point. <laughs> well, <laughs> that is. Uh, let's, that, let's talk about how quickly you've gone. Yeah. Well, how, that, how, how that how that, that how wasn't that, that part quickly. of it. That uh, was not that quickly. That was years. It he, took me he, a couple it, years. It ha- but it, but compared to getting from 2017 to getting like an 80 percent in a Jeff class might have been. There was a, a long ramp. It was a long ramp up. Whereas uh, he's been shooting at this level for at least a year, which means he got there in probably less than a year and has since then been shaving off like tenths and hundreds of seconds mm. to put together what he's talking about now. I mean, it, once you get into the competitive, just like anything, anything at, at what I would almost consider pro level, you're in a different game. We're not, we're not talking about accuracy anymore. We're not talking about even like, I mean, draw holster times are part of it, but they're already so low that they beat 99.99% of shooters or people with guns that might draw out of a holster. It's so, it's so fast. And, and that's what's so crazy is. And, and I think that's worth digging into. Yes. No, it's like <laughs> what he had to do to. How, how, how do you get from yeah. barely giving a shit uh, <laughs> to one of the best shooters in the world? I'm not one of the best shooters in no, the world. No, Ed, you absolutely I'm are. Not, I think by this, by statistics alone, you, you have to be. I'm excellent. There. I would say that I'm excellent. That I'll give that much to myself. I mean, it's true. I mean, I'm not saying you're better than the best. I'm saying you're better than almost anybody I've ever met. Well, that's that's awfully kind of you. I know lots of people that are far better than me. But but nonetheless, uh, you know, at the competition where they're measuring the best. <laughs> yeah, it's like if he lived outside a Top Gun every day and also had a pilot. Like you kind of have some things working for you in terms of osmosis. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke yeah. up your ass. This is I know you're I know. At, you're at a level that is incredibly rare on top of the fact that you're doing well in that rarefied air. Sure. And, and he's answering like a true competitor, which is I know where I need to be and where I want to be and where I'm at now. Oh, I appreciate is, the humility. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, I actually really, really like it. And I don't want to take yeah. that away from you because I think the humility is, <laughs> is working for you. Thank you. But I also, I look at it and just like kind of, I shake my head. I'm like, wow, that guy is incredibly good. And I look at both of you. You do not strike me as competitively good shooters. And yet both of you are better than almost anyone I've ever seen shooting. And I've probably seen thousands now of people shoot just going at the range and seeing people, as you said, spray and pray or yeah, when or, I go downstairs occasionally, I'm, I'm reminded of, of how far I may have come. You know what? I like to tell people that are just getting into the competitive sport and they are, really not doing well compared to everyone else. They're at the yeah, bottom of the, the list, yeah. right? It can be very deflating. And I mean this with true sincerity. I tell them you're already in the top 3% in the world, <laughs> right? Cause you're odds here. are they are right. I can't say that definitively, right? But I would bet money they are. And they got the guts to go out there and take it. Right. Uh, there's a, there's a, a lady that I teach I'm not going to say her name because I haven't obviously yep. been given permission, but um, she uh, she came out uh, maybe a year or two ago, whatever. And she was just this mom, you know, with her with her holster and didn't know anything about the sport. And what I do love about at least 
Central Texas's cult gun culture, uh, our competitive firearms culture, is it's incredibly welcoming. Oh my gosh! Incredibly welcoming. I mean, it's the, more welcoming than your local range. It is the nicest part of this. It's competitive. Thing. But everyone wants everyone to do well. Yes. Everyone wants everyone to be competitive against them so that they can get better. And these new people, when they show up and they don't know anything, the primary driver is, we want you to have a good time. We want you to be safe. And if you're one of those people that is coming out and going, I don't know anything, and I'm just like some you know, single mom who bought a gun and a holster off you know, online, and now I want to try this, the average reaction from most people is that is totally badass because you got yes. the nuts to come out and put your ego on the line. The, the women have the nuts. Is that uh, they got the nuts? <laughs> they I'm got going. The, I'm going to say some, it. They got the nuts. Chutzpah. I, I mean, it is. It's like you're willing to come out, and you know, I know. Like I said earlier in the in this uh, podcast, that there are lots of extremely well versed gun people who I can't get to shoot one round competitively. Under, and they, they'll give you 19 reasons. Oh, yeah, maybe next time, you know. What it really is is they don't have the nuts. I'll give you a counterpoint, though. To have because their I, ego challenged. I, I put myself, I'm, I'm happy to be humbled by anybody who has something to teach me. Mm. Um, and, and I will definitely be the first person to say that. And I did. I got back into USPSA like a couple of weeks ago, went out and shot with Ed and some of the guys mm. and uh, had a blast. Awesome, it was awesome, by the way. No, it was great. It was great. Yeah, it was I, great. Just, I miss it. I, got, I just got to get back into that habit. But um, one of the things I just vehemently dislike about competitive shooting is the game. Mm. Because my motivation for holding a gun begins and ends with defense. And me, I don't... Me, me too. I don't want uh -huh. to acquire sure. a second set of skills that I cannot utilize. And, and this is... By the way, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit right here it's, My it's, rationale it's not just is that you can't utilize it. It's, it's the opposite of utility. It actually can mm. pull you back. It could. So it could. And so I want to. I want to acknowledge that this is how I feel, but this is probably not the reality with a lot of people at the highest level. Because at some point you do get to a point where accuracy still matters, but you've mastered the speed hacks. So if you can, and do continue to make it about effect on target, mm. I believe competing will provide the right kind of motivation, the community and the information you need to actually progress faster than doing conventional teacher student instruction. Okay. I think there's a partial translation. <laughs> I do like, it's like Latin <laughs> and French. Where, where if you know Latin, you. right? Which yeah. is the game. Uh, then you're going to be able to, do some French, right? And that, and, and I think that's the thing is, but if you don't learn, uh, you know, if you don't learn any of it, then you're not okay. going to be able to. And I, 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 I very much agree. I, with okay. That, yeah. So to this point, when we shoot together, I see your, the, the thing that is bad about Ed. Mm, and yeah. there's only one. I'm excited to hear this. Is you're too fast. Too fast. Too fast. It's not, it's not that you don't know how to shoot well. That huh? is not in question. No yeah. one's like, oh, it doesn't know how to shoot a target. Yeah, sure. It's just that you're so used to getting shots off so quick and not super worried about where they go sometimes. Like if you no, miss they have one, to be accurate. Yeah, but... I get you, though. You miss one on Jeff's course, let's say, 
and you're DQ'd. Like you're done. You're like, I understand. Whoa. Yep. So it's not, if you'd slowed down, I'm not exaggerating, two tenths of a second, you would have been fine. We did the Bravo standard last Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Together. And we were, we were, tes- and we, this is, this, this is a really interesting kind of case study that describes exactly what you're talking about. Ed's in his race rig. I've, I've got my, my everyday carry. Singlet, right? Obviously. Yeah. So obviously he's greased up. He's greased up, ready to go. Yeah. He's got the mat in front of him. Eyes are, he's fenced in. Um, and, and we're, we're doing the same standard. So we're shooting the exact same drill in the exact same way. And we're repeating it for time. And good in this 10 second Bravo standard drill is 10 rounds in 10 seconds with a reload it's, after nine. Well, it's nine plus one. Nine plus one. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, Ed's, we're really dialing in Ed at this point. Like, you know, he's, he's 1.7 out of the holster, which is a little slow even for Ed. Ed can do faster. That was but, slow. Very slow. But, but his reloads were like butter and his split times were almost as fast as the human brain can move a muscle. This is how, how quickly we're talking here. And I get up. I, I, I am not fast. I'm not a competitor. My reloads were oh, bad yeah. for me. Four and a half like seconds. Four seconds. Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, you know, damn it. Ed, shoot my gun. Yeah. Like, I, like what, what's going on here? Like, is it? And, and <laughs> our times ended up within a half a second identical once we started using everything the same. We kept, we kept the equipment mm-hmm. the same. We, we, and so there is definitely a component of the equipment and the training that he's focusing on that provides him the time advantage. Mm. Not, I don't, and I, I disagree. It's not at the expense of accuracy, but if that was all that mattered, I would think it would be wasted time and effort. Mm. USPSA still requires accuracy but it does not i think penalize you enough when you are faster than you are effective well i would agree because um as i've said uspsa is not my primary sport and um it it is uh for those who don't know anything about it it's uh moving around navigating courses and sometimes moving targets primarily shooting at a brown sort of human-shaped targets that have scoring zones that vary uh, based on sort of theoretical lethal zones and then less lethal and then sort of peripheral zones. Um, and then it even goes further with uh, sort of the, the power of your firearm, right, where uh, a normal 9-millimeter bullet is X and a more powerful uh, round has a... Uh, Let's put powerful in air quotes because... Well, yeah, it's... It's, it's, it's yeah. a scoring mechanic, not a... It's a scoring mechanic, target. but they call it major and minor power factor. But but the major gives you a more uh, beneficial score when you hit less optimal areas. So when you're running a higher-powered gun, we'll just say to simplify it, you can go faster and be less accurate and still score really well. That's the yeah, game. I don't right? like the game. That's the that's the part of the game I'm not crazy yeah, about. I don't like the game. Because the idea is that the more powerful impacting round would be essentially more effective on a less lethal zone. But before we denigrate the sport because it's lacking a few things, I wanna I wanna make it really clear what I think in particular in Ed's case only USPSA could have done or, or Steel Challenge mm. more specifically. Mm. You know, Jeff has even mentioned this in some classes, but it's been less connected to the, the coursework. You know, he'll say something like, well, how do you, how do you run fast? 
got to run fast. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's not even like Miyagi worthy in its simplicity. It's just like, <laughs> Hey asshole, it's reps. It's getting out there. It's making your legs just do whatever you can. You're not running a race. Just, just figure out how fast. You fair can fair enough. And, but, and, and if you're doing any reps at all to get good and probably worth, I am, I am not saying you don't do reps, sir. You do more reps than anybody I know. Really? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just, my concern is, are the reps for the game or are they for defense or your why? Both. You know, Both. So so your why was a little muted. Yours, a little bit of defense. Mine, defense. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't care about the game at all. Like, right. zero. I, I zero, I know. Zero care about the game. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I don't, um, it's not like I don't understand the value of the game. And game's great, and yeah. it, and if it makes you better, Ed, great. That's and and if you encourage other people to get great, great, even better, great. You know, it's literally great the difference in competing competing in any sport. Anybody can go out and practice. You can go to the the studio, compete with the, like yeah, just, wrestle, like I, roll I, with BJJ guys, and learn something. Right. I'm just worried. Not compete. I'm just worried. Like if I were to start doing competitive shooting, and I were to buy. Um, to to me, race guns as an example, because I started thinking. I don't yeah. run a race they, gun, by the way. Well, well just hold yeah. on. When I so. was very first getting started, I didn't know anything about guns. I was like just trying to figure it out and, you know, listening to anybody on the internet who has anything loudly to say. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like you had a flare magwell and you got to have more weight here and all mm-hmm. this stuff, right? Yep. So I bought what I thought was going to be a obvious winner, right? This is This is the <laughs> thing, right? Without getting into too much specifics, what I found was, um, if anything, it, it it manufactured new interesting malfunctions into the gun. Mm. It actually created things that are very rare. You would never normally like. I was able to crack the whole center mass of the of the magwell by virtue of the way the flare magwell worked. Long story short, that was a short lived experiment. Yeah, and I learned to kind of like okay, there's there's a it's a little bit more of a, a rigor to what we're talking about. It's there not is. just yeah. a hack is a hack. And this is what I, I want to like build on that, but, but t- tell everybody it might sound like with this part of the program that what we're saying is you, you gain a lot of really beneficial things once you hit this mystical level of proficiency. <laughs> and, and maybe that means comp- competing and all things like, I want to get like really but, obvious but, that but like, hold on, hold on. let me, let me, let me just say one thing real quick. This is very similar if you like Formula One, which I know you guys have both been sure. to my Formula One yeah. parties. Yeah, they're great. So it's similar to a Formula One car. Very much so. That thing can go around the track super Designed fast. to do that. It could not handle a road trip. Right. right. And that is my worry. Like if I get too specialized and I get you can. some race gun that's all weirdly, you know, I have to hold it in this weird way, but it's perfect. You know, it's... Well, let's say well, the race gun is for the sport, right? Right, truly is. But got to you got to realize that, uh, and and this again for the benefit of some who don't understand this, the sport is broken into many different divisions, just like a lot of other sports. And these race guns that we keep referring to are usually called the open division. So you could also call that maybe the unlimited division. Yeah. So here it's you've got F1 guns that are all NASCAR. Mm-hmm. R- yeah. Exactly, that's a great way to put it. Versus your Supra that you purchased. Bingo. And <laughs> racing some guy on the street at a red light. Which is yeah. what most people have. They have the Supra. Well, 
the, the carry optics carry optics is one of the most popular divisions in both the sports that I shoot and carry optics loosely is that's a modded su- supra no no it's actually generally what we would call a production gun with a red dot on it again modded so i think that, it, it, that, it allows for things and if you're if you want to be in the top of carry optics you are definitely running a not stock uh, but also you can't modify it extremely yeah it's not the most extreme but you can't be at the top of the game without maximizing your you you can put some potential. efficiencies into it yeah so you, <laughs> yeah well let's let's if you want to drift dot drift uh or drift your car you you want to put a few there's a couple of things you yeah sure do. you don't want to do it on the on the altar on the on the Na- highway yeah, naturally but but you know I, let me get back to one thing just one thing that i don't think either of you appreciate and uh it is beneficial to know and that is, you mentioned earlier about me going too fast. And this isn't a defense. I think you have a point. It's more that when you learn to go really, really fast and be effective, time slows down. Your brain becomes capable of processing the actions you're doing at a much higher speed. So when I draw... Ed, no. Because when you slow down, you get amazing. When we, when we right, do but I'm the pushing same... myself. When you see that, I'm teaching myself to go harder and faster. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. You, got, you guys are in when I slow agreement. down to yeah, one point okay. two second draws. No, 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 I, I feel like it's slow. But then you're more accurate. I am more accurate. Way more accurate. Way more. You're you're crushing it. You're killing all of us. Right, but I you're used the best to not be able to the... do that unless it was one point five. Like I would, I would kill you any day of the week when you got, you and I got started. Like that's probably coming that's, in at a higher aptitude than us. Yeah. Well, I don't even sure. know if that's true. I, I, I think, oh, I think I, from the, the cl- I mean, I remember you were much higher than me in the classes. But, but now Ed, you're, you're moving at a, at a degree where you're, you're failing in ways that are like, you're guaranteed to win if you slow down just slightly. Of course. So the question is, I, th- I think, and let me like get to the heart of the <laughs> I get matter. I what you're saying. My, yeah, my that's question my is, one complaint. If it's he a knows, minor nit, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, what you, when you see me sometimes, what I'm trying to do is train like I'm lifting more weight. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is his right? max rep. So I'm, what I'm doing is I'm trying to get to a sub one draw, mm-hmm. right? I can do it, but where I can always hit sub one. Always. I mean, you're basically throwing the gun. And then when you say slow down and a hundred percent of the time accurately hit in 1.1 seconds, that's, that's, and I couldn't do that. 1.1 used to be like impossible for me to even do. And and how, how when I draw sometimes and I fire, I actually feel myself go, Oh, that was slow. Right. And I felt myself slow down and aim. And I look down at my timer and it's 1.18 seconds. The most that, important value about competing that's, that's is the finding difference. your limit. And this is tr- true of, I think, of any competitor. It's Ed can slow down now. Ed does know what slow and fast look like and accurate and inaccurate looks he like. He did it in the Bravo standard. He did. And so as a result, what in- Ed, Intentionally or after? To be accurate because it required me to be very yeah. accurate. Yes, yes, yes. The but, wheels came off and okay. dialed it back. Okay, so the wheels came off and then you made the conscious decision. No, incorrect. That was that was the last rep that we did was with his gun. Prior to that, I was like, we have a Bravo standard. I was shooting just below. He was trying to get the fastest time and meet the standard, which and means the standard eighty percent, not not one hundred percent. 
He knows he could shoot 100% at three or four seconds longer. The but I was shooting. Was, can you, can I would, you? Well, I was shooting uh, into the nineties, and uh, you were you were in the eighties okay, at eight. My, we don't yeah. in the nineties at, at nine. We don't 10. need to. You don't need to yeah. be specific about that. But yeah, 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 yeah. Drill. Sure, sure. What I'm saying is, were you intentional or was it? Um, I was oh, trying shit, to. Use, I, I messed up. I should. No, I was trying that. to use the time that was allotted to me okay. to be as effective as I could with the time allotted. It's counterintuitive. If you drive really fast, so. If you drive really fast, but you don't know if you finish the course until you finish the course, how do you know if you're driving fast enough? Mm-hmm. But if you go off the road right. and you hit a barrier, you know you slow down. Yeah. But if you just drive fast enough to get around the corners, you'll never know how fast you can go. I mean, he has to attempt a failure point to understand how slow he does need to go. In other words, effective is only the result of knowing actually how fast he's capable of getting out of the holster or get, or breaking a shot. I'd say, and this is yeah. where com- com- competing and the skill sets there really is the only curriculum. Now, I will say only in quotes because Jeff actually taught us all three of this in the last class we took at that three-level pistol mm-hmm. course, right? That's level one, I heard. Which apparently is level one. Um, <laughs> there's four more after that. I, I, anyway. Yeah, whatever. I, I, don't try to, I don't try to compute any of that anymore. <laughs> right, but, but I, I, think, I think what... It, so the, 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 the concern is valid. Have you put an emphasis on gear and skills that may hurt a defensive posture? Maybe. The only difference between yes and no on that question is do you know your limits? So if you find that in a course or you find it from USPSA, as long as you find it, that's that's the lesson. But you know, even the guys who are way beyond me in USPSA with their open race guns that are just amazing, right? You throw a regular gun under their hand, they're way more effective than anybody else I know. Yeah, sure. All else being right? equal. So I, I, there's a high degree of translation. Okay. It's 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 quite high. I, I th- I'm my major concern is getting worse by getting better. You know, it's I don't like, think that would happen. I t- okay, as long <laughs> as you came back to the fact that it's a perishable skill. Are you training against your self defense posture? Are you using gear? that is realistically going to be employed. I mean, why I go to more courses than compete is every course I've gone to, I am so fucking humbled. I went to a rifle course a couple of years ago and I looked like a, like a proper ass. <laughs> I, I'm the guy and I, I look, and this is in retrospect, right? I show up with the camo painted gun. Cause that's what I did over the, the pandemic. And it's got all the bells and it's, it's inner, it's gram worthy. Like it's, yeah. it's Reddit, it's, it's Reddit gold. And I suck up this class because the gun's malfunctioning like crazy because the night before I decided I needed five new things to make me like that much better. And that's, that's, that was ego. That was um, hubris. I was essentially, I didn't believe in myself. So I, 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 I switched up the gear, but what I did learn is, is that was a mistake, but I also learned five other lessons about, you know, when I'm in a hot, humid environment, it's really hard to discriminate targets with smoke. When I'm doing that at night mm. with a white light, oh shit, I can't see anything. It, it, I learn so much by failing. Mm. The question is, how fast can you fail to learn more? And that's what I think is interesting about competing. Mm-hmm. You do get a, a little bit more of that data. It's still, it's still hermetically sealed. Mm-hmm. 
but it might help you learn some things. That so so one thing I've noticed specifically about you, Ed, and maybe even about you, I have seen an incredible increase in your self-esteem. Uh, in the very short time we've known each other, four or five years or whatever sure. it's been, yeah. it's not been that long. Mm-hmm. Between when I met you, you you seemed like you you really wanted everyone to like you and talk to you and blah, blah, blah. And now you're just like, you're just walking around confident. Mm. Interesting. I don't exactly know why it is, but I love it. Um, <laughs> because, well, because I always saw what you are now in you. And so for me, it feels a little strange to like watch your metamorphosis. I'm mm. like, oh, I, I always liked Ed. He was always a great guy. He was always, not great at shooting. No, uh, definitely not. But great in every other aspect of your life. There's only this one thing that I can really point to that is different. Mm. It's just this one That's thing. interesting observation. There's been some other peripheral things that I've changed okay. in my persona. Okay. Uh, but I, I do believe in self-improvement always, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Just Not just firearms. Um, one of them is uh, caring less about a lot of things. But where did that come from, Ed? You want, oh, well, honestly, the firearms is probably a component, right? <laughs> I think he's proving your point. Well, I, some of it is self-confidence yeah. for sure. That yeah. comes from being able to be self-empowered, right? Yeah, it's, it's empowerment. But it's self-empowerment, right? Knowing that you can go anywhere and it doesn't mean you will be okay, but your odds are way better, right? And I am a very strong advocate of uh, EDC carry, uh, meaning everyday carry, uh, uh, means all the time except for when you're not able to or you shouldn't uh, because you just don't know, right? You, you don't know when a, a threat will present itself. But knowing that if you had to regrettably use deadly force, uh, knowing that the odds of you coming out on, of, on top of that are significantly better is very empowering, right? And knowing that you can protect others, right? your friends and family who haven't dedicated their time uh, to those things, but knowing that if you're present, you, you'd be able to affect that outcome. And uh, I just think that's really great. But I also learned, I read a book. I, I, I'm not going to lie. It's the subtle art of not giving a fuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I mean, I'll, you know, the key takeaways from that book, I found it was very easy to read. I highly encourage people to read it. My key takeaways from that were, the world wants you to give a fuck about everything. There's like a billion agendas being thrust at you all the time and it's overwhelming. And I'm the kind of guy who is very susceptible to giving a fuck about everything. And by learning to just pick a few things made me care a lot less about a lot of things. And so some of that self-confidence equation that you're talking about really was me just not caring anymore. I think this journey of self-improvement and, and back to your question on which combat sport, why anything, I think if you pick up anything and it makes you more capable and you feel that mm-hmm. and you feel that in your life, you've, you've done two things. You've failed at it first and you've spent a lot of time thinking about it. The end result of that over time is undeniably empowerment mm-hmm. because you won't ever go back there. You won't ever return to that previous state. And if that has like an outward benefit and I'm, I'm, you're saying we're reflecting it or exuding it or there's something like that out there, 
I think with Ed, I, I also agree with that. I think your assessment is 100% right on. Ed is not a different person than the Ed I knew before. Ed's, Ed's it's the a same. confident version. Uh, and, and Ed was, Ed, I think was confident then, but, but it's when you leave that point where you, you've been the student long enough, um, and you really feel like embraced hmm. by your knowledge and you walk out into the world, uh, without the question that was nagging you before, uh, call it confident. I mean, whatever it's, you know, but it, it I, I, I love that effect. Mm-hmm. I really do. It doesn't matter how you get it. I got it when I learned to fly. That was the first thing I did in my life that I did. That wasn't an expectation someone else did for me. And when you have, when you land solo for the first time, you have to do, that's a binary outcome. So when you do that, if you didn't have that innate ability that I can, I can arrive at something that I manifested you do after that. And I always tell people if you, you can do binary, one thing, but I think you could come in on one. Oh, yeah, I, can, <laughs> I mean, there's a spectrum, there's a spectrum, but let's say, let's say if I don't, there's a lot of repercussions financially and otherwise that I may not want to experience. Shooting's kind of the same thing. All right. Well, so, yeah. So I, I personally really enjoy watching my friends grow. And where I've seen you grow, not just in technical ability, but in personality mm. and just in every way. It's well, been... Thank you. It's extremely it's, flattering. Uh, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass. Um, <laughs> I hope it's him. It's not, I hope it's not directed at me because I don't know if I've demonstrated all this stuff that you're talking about. But Well, I, I think you came, as you said, with the, your confidence was before. So you, you kind of already mm. were in that realm. You've already had done the hard, a hard thing. A very yeah, hard thing. Fair enough. And this might have been your really hard thing. Your one really hard thing. It really, really was. Uh, because it's funny that you, you, you brought that up because I've always felt that most things in my life have come very natural. I've, I'm blessed, right, to have, you know, good coordination and a body that works and a mind that works well enough to pretty much whatever I want to do, I could just succeed at it if I applied myself. Guns did not want to cooperate, <laughs> right? And I had to, cur- I had to beat the hell out of myself and spend a fortune doing it um, to get where I am. And uh, but I'll say, like his example for me also gave me a lot of hope. Like, yeah, me too. At, at, at knowing, <laughs> me too. Uh, it's not knowing that Ed sucked, but that Ed was Ed and I shared the same challenge, and it wasn't deterring it. Mm. And so maybe, just maybe, I'm doing a worthwhile thing you are and and so thanks appreciate that yeah um and, and you are a very good shooter as well absolutely he is you are a very very so. good shooter i tried really hard to be that no, I, like, I mean achieve something i mean of of the three of us you might even be of just of jeff's caliber maybe even the best don't 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 put that in my head, man. I mean, until, I hear, until I hear Jeff say it, I won't believe it. But well, there you but, go. But I watched. Yeah. Gotta have I, Jeff say I that. Watched, I, mean, I yeah. watched the three of us shoot. Um, most recently, granted, we had different setups and different things and different technical problems, which I thought was. <laughs> it's actually worth talking about this. Okay. So you and uh, both of you guys had um, optics problems. You both uh, use optics. Mm-hmm. I do not. I shoot only irons with pistols. Sucker. 
and uh, just likes a stick shift. That's obvious. And I, I mean, truth. One, and 100. you were shooting to the right. You were shooting to the left. I was shooting to the left. Uh-huh. We all had malfunctions. Yes, all three of us. Yes. Technical malfunctions, not yes. shooter error. <laughs> no, definitely not. And that that is super rare. And also, we all had it, which is amazing. And yet, we were all shooting extremely well given the situation. Yeah, I was eight inches off center <laughs> at twenty five yards. I eight mean, inches off. Let's let's just That's go to how Einstein. Badly, man. my sight. Go to were. Einstein. It's all relative, space and time. All those <laughs> shots together is the most important thing. Where they were on a on a different fixed reference point in time. Oh my gosh! Is, you know that's existential that's funny. for you. But, but yeah, the, so, to me, that's when I saw you. When I saw your target, I looked over a lot at that. I was kind of envious because I was like, "Fuck, this guy's consistent." And that's that's the hardest thing I grapple with most of the time is I can shoot pretty damn good sometimes. Can I mm. just make it all the time, please? And I really appreciate people I see in classes like that. It, like where the hits like hit on the paper is is Jeff's problem. But like, are they kind of all in the same place? Because then it's a it's one very problem solvable to solve. problem. Yeah, like, it's one problem. Okay, to solve. let's shift your your front sight post over where it should be. It, it was the back sight post, back, actually. I mean, because I focus on the front sight post. <laughs> uh-huh. But <laughs> so here's a good example. I went and shot with these guys two weeks ago. I had a really good stage. I was about ten seconds off the fastest guys, which sounds like an eternity in shooting. But when you factor in like almost 40 rounds, it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. It's pretty damn good. So, so my failure, my big thing other than mechanical is, uh, is my speed. So mm. you're the other end. You're maybe too fast. I'm too slow. Mm. I need to go faster. So we're all learning things as we this, go. This is it. Of course. And so, so, but I think this is worth talking about technology here. Yes. This, mm. this is where we, this is where the, the, we nerded out early in our career, right? All of us. Yeah. Don't lie. 100. 100%. 100%. 100%. So um, let's talk. Uh, first of all, what gun would you recommend these days? I thought about this before I came in today. I have a great answer. For what Go application? Ahead. Oh, oh good question. He answers with a question. Great answer. I love it. <laughs> uh, okay. We're talking about pistols for now. And Carry. EDC. EDC. Uh, so I will admit to a bias. Uh, I'm a big fan of Sig Sauer's firearms, um, but it's not necessarily for the reasons you'd think. Uh, I think they're really good at engaging their consumer market. Uh, I think they're really good at evolving their firearms, uh, and uh, they make a really quality firearm. But beyond that, right? So those are like the, some of the things that attract me to the company itself. The, the firearms, though, um, you know, I, a lot of people have heard of this gun. It's the, uh, the P365. Uh, which has uh, essentially it solved some of the challenges in micro, very small firearms, which are very concealable firearms and also more practical to carry because as we all learned from Jeff, if you carry a gun that's very uncomfortable or not correctly uh, on your body, you won't, carry you won't carry it. So this one of the key solutions to everyday carry is to carry something you actually will carry, right, every day. And the P365... That's, that's what EDC means, everyday, everyday carry. carry. That's yeah. right. So the 365 solved a lot of problems. I won't go into the litany of the problems that it solved, but it has opened up, and a lot of the industry has followed it, right, with 
similar ideas and concepts. They were groundbreakers in this. And now there's the 365 and the XL and the XL macro and then like 19 other varieties. But it's also a gun that's highly modular and can be, uh, parts can be swapped out very easily. So you can actually have a lot of different parts for different applications. So you got a great company. It solves a lot of problems, makes it very carryable. Quality and modularity makes it a big win for me. Uh, for all of you that have a SIG in your shopping cart right now, <laughs> I'm going to tell you everything he said is correct. But you're not there. Mm. You need to go buy a Glock 19 oh. to find all of the problems. Or that, 17. Or 17 to find all of the problems that 365 will solve for you <laughs> eventually. So and I say that because you... <laughs> Can you're not shooting enough right now to appreciate and understand Perhaps. what the 365 is solving for you? So, what you need is the cheapest way to get the most ammo to shoot the most and train the most. And generally speaking, all else being equal, a Glock 19 will be in any store that you go into and has 40 years of doing the job. And eventually, you will sell that and get a P365. <laughs> I would agree, um, except that I just have a... I, I, so I did the vast majority of my training with Jeff. Yep. With, uh, a, with Glock. a Glock 19. Uh, Gold barrel, too. He was, he was fancy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was a little bit Gucci. But um, but the, the I, I, I'm not a huge supporter of Glock anymore. Neither am I. Primarily for one, one reason, is that it... And this is just my personal gripe on their branding is uh, that they use the word perfection. <laughs> and to me, if I said I'm Bonowitz perfection, and would I evolve? Perfection. Would I evolve? <laughs> would I would I modify my approach to things or would I say that I'm done? Right. Yeah. And my issue with Glock is that it doesn't seem to be evolving with the times uh, and with the needs of the firearm community, and instead considers itself to be perfection. Okay, so I think at this point it's probably worth talking about site selection because <laughs> this is this is it seems like a friendly rivalry between us and in a fun way. Yeah, yeah of course, um, absolutely. And so, um, okay, we have red dots, we have prisms, we mm. have we have favorite. Uh, straight yes. old irons. <laughs> like, um, what what do we what do we do? Fiber optic. What are we running? Fiber optic irons. You could run too. Yeah. What do we just pistol? Running? For now, let's talk about okay. pistol. Um, it's a complicated question for me because I don't like running red dots. I had some specific competitive problems you with my my gear a couple weeks ago that I've that I've just discovered and and I've also seen it. Um, let's just say that my OEM equipment here is the here, problem here, I'm here, working around. Here being your eyes, my eyes, uh -huh. my eye, my right eye specifically. My astigmatism is so bad. Most red dots are non-functional for me on rifles, mm -hmm. and. Uh, so I have very, I have very limited options. So when I was, when we were training with Jeff and on irons, cause God knows he wouldn't let a red dot in. Well, he wouldn't let spot. it. He would I just mean, make fun of you all day long for a while. He wouldn't. <laughs> I, really. Yeah. In 2017 and 2018, there's <laughs> irons or nothing, but, um, I tried, you know, I, I, I went through the journey that you went on and, and, and Ed was on too. We were all there and what I could not get past was, 
I'm trying so hard to get on target. Mm-hmm. I'm spending so much time looking for what's supposed to look good and I'm burning seconds. So I'm slow. I'm not, a- I'm not accurate. I mean, I'm not going to say that I scored so badly in just classes because I didn't have a red dot then, but I can tell you if I did, I would have scored better. And, and that's me. That's my biology at this point. <laughs> that's, it's not a, it's not like a real thing. So if you're watching this, like, Oh, I can level up. Um, maybe, but if you have perfectly good eyesight or even pretty, pretty okay eyesight, the only thing that red dot might do for you is make it easier to stay, keep your focus on the target and not the sights, which is really hard for new shooters to like bend their head around when they're not using red dots. But the fact is every sight system out there for perfect eyes is good. It's good enough. Mm. And the rest is you. Yeah, no, that's, that's good insight. Well, uh, you know, my personal mission or my personal journey, I guess with, with this was, I was unaware at the time that I was learning and I still stand by my word. I was awful with a lot of bad habits and things. Right. But, uh, with irons, Ed, Ed, I will, I will affirm. Yeah, you, you were, will. You were not I, I was a terrible. good shooter at the time. I wasn't, I at wasn't the time. right. No, and I don't feel any, any shame in that, yeah. but the, um, but I didn't know that at the same time, my vision. Uh, so uh, for those who are like looking at the camera, you can see I got some darkness over here on the side of my face. Uh, I've, I've had multiple surgeries related to my left eye. Uh, I had a, an eye injury as a baby uh, that apparently led to a premature cataract, rather severe one, where uh, ironically with shooting, I actually discovered I had the cataract. Mm. Because wow. when I looked at a red dot... With my left, because I used to shoot left-handed. Uh, I am a lefty, and uh, was well, was a lefty. Well, I still am a lefty, <laughs> but for you shooting, I'm a righty. Were, you said you were a lefty. Yeah, well, I'm both, I guess. But but either way, <laughs> I learned and, and fired with Jeff mostly left-handed. And when I went to do one of his rifle classes, and I saw a red dot, it was like 19 dots. And so he ultimately encouraged me to try it right-handed, and I discovered that I was really good right-handed because my eye had actually had shifted to right eye dominant and and I'm a lefty and so we're almost all ambidextrous anyway but whatever the point is with dots um uh was that uh, you know with irons I was apparently having vision problems at the same time so when I would focus and you and for those who again don't know when you're using uh iron sights or just sights right uh traditional sights you're really supposed to be sight focused, meaning that your eyes are pointing, are focused on lining up the sights. So you're looking at something very close in and then you're basically painting, putting the target on, you know, behind, behind those sights and firing at it. So it's hard to be when your vision is. And not looking at the target. Right. And not looking at the target. Right. right. So, uh, cause you can't focus on both. Right. Uh, it's really hard. One, when you're older. Because it's harder to focus close in, right? So uh, as you become, I think it's the word myopic, is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's harder to see sights. So for older uh, beginners, I just recommend dots oh, right God. off the bat, right? But with the irons, again, I, I was experiencing these problems where I, apparently I couldn't really see either very well, mm-hmm. right? But when I went to dots, it was just like night and day. For for so, me, it was the the biggest thing that 
the biggest aid it provided was confidence that I'm on target. Mm-hmm. So what I could do was stop worrying about where my sights were and get onto that trigger press. So it took out a really big uh, component of, of challenge for me and a hurdle that then had was cascading in the rest of my shooting. So the cascade was, okay, the sights are moving. I'm not there. I'm not there. Okay. Well, my triggers, Oh gosh, I'm right there. Bang. And so I'm rushing the trigger because my sight picture is constant garbage. And Okay, so what happens when you have an adequate sight picture? You're not having to focus at all. You're just there. And then you gain an appreciation and a trust for where that sight picture is. Oh, shit. All of a sudden, you're like five seconds faster because you can just execute. Mm. So you haven't gotten better. But what you have done is gotten out of your head. And you're now mechanically working the gun instead of worrying about your sight picture. The best sight is the one you never have to look through because your gun is exactly where it needs to be. And right. if we had perfect proprioception, we would just point our finger out there on the target and that would be where the bullet lands. Everything else that goes into it is deteriorating the shot. And if you graph that over time, the longer it takes for you to break the shot, the worse the shot's going to land. So that first best sight picture, right? That, yeah, I would agree with that. And so how do you somehow get the time hack? Well, Again, this goes into, you know, physiology and a lot of the things that are unique to the shooter. But generally speaking, all else being equal, once you understand how the, 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 the red dot system works and if it works for your eyes, what you're not having to figure out is focal plane changes between mm-hmm. target fixation and sights, which equals less time. So giving, that's great point, uh, points, but... To give you a direct answer, uh, I would say my recommendation for the average sh- the average shooter, right, uh, with different applications based on age and vision and things like that, would be to learn on iron sights first. Wouldn't hurt, right? Um, it's kind of loosely like the manual and the automatic, right? Knowing how to shoot iron sights. It's also, so red dots are wonderful, and I'm a huge supporter of them. Uh, however, uh they come with a lot of liabilities, right? They can fail, right? They can break in real, and they can okay. also so have dead batteries. This, this and, is this is exactly my problem, right? And, but in more than that, my, is that you might not even have them zeroed correctly. It's one more thing. You're 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 literally saying this. You're singing my song. Yeah, this is my concern. Batteries, blood, rain, uh, random breakage because they're kind of big. Mm-hmm. You know, clunky pieces of glass that could easily get caught on things. Mm-hmm. The battery being dead, uh, being out of sight alignment. Like these are all just things that are very likely to happen in a real combat situation. Huge liabilities. And yet, when we were actually shooting, I had the same problem. My back sights, which were is off, hilarious, were, are off. So clearly, I'm. I've got some humility. Every sighting about this. system has. I, I am not. It's coming to you with like this is the answer. Right. But I still believe for the application of actual self-defense, for me, for you, in a situation where I really have absolutely no idea what's going to happen and I, I need to just get rounds on target and I don't really have time to deal with an optic that I, oh, I have to shake it to turn it on or I have to click a button or, you know, there's a thing that has to happen or, oh, Oh yeah, you have to remember that this one's got a slight like a uh, parallax on it or whatever. 
I just rather not have any of those things going through my head in the moment when I have to pull a gun and use it. I, I think you're right to think about that, but just, but we have a lot of limitations. So you've overcome a lot of actual limitations in being able to shoot as well as you, you can and do. Um, so why not get over those additional experiences? I, I, I would, I think the only counter argument I'll offer to it, cause you're not, you're not nothing, nothing empirically is wrong with that argument. Sure. But it's kind of, it's kind of arguing a negative. So if I could tell you that there was a way to get around all of those things and that was training, would you appreciate the aid? And, and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. So for rifles, I, I'm on board. I'm on board. I, I, I actually, because so, otherwise I, you are handicapping. <laughs> yeah. I'm on board because yeah. well, well for, for several reasons. One, I think um, tr- trying to deal with traditional irons and at, at real range, you can't even see the target. You just can't see it. That's true. Cause La- if, you, if you're not enough data, you're getting at, at 25 yards and in, I believe you can see that you can see the target. Like my, my eyes can see the sights and the target at the same time. I am looking at the sights. You're blessed. There's a, there's a, I was going to say, there's some blurriness. Love you, buddy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in agreement with you. On this. <laughs> I'm in agreement with you on this one. But with, if you're like 50 yards, a hundred yards out, forget it. Yeah. Like right. absolutely not. Gonna I mean, work. It's, for me, again, for my it's still eyes. possible, yes. but you're right. So even, so here's the funny thing. And I, this is just backing your point up. At 50 yards with an astigmatism in red dot, I cannot differentiate the target because the dot dispersion mm. in the optic obscures it. So even with the thing, I can't use the thing. Right. Yeah. And and here and this is this is the very at personal 50 yards. Part of why are you engaging? Is my question. That's a, you should that's just inside. be retreating. Oh, come on. <laughs> defeat the threat. Don't be, don't be macho. Don't be shy. Defeat 50 the, yards, defeat the threat. don't disengage, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm talking about rifle here. Oh, oh my bad. Uh, yeah, I, I apologize. I, yeah, fair. I mean, it, it's a push on the pistol, but still kind of yeah. making my point. 50 yards, just disengage, but whatever. But <laughs> it, but, if, but think of this. This is 50 yards with a rifle. Yeah. It, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, of all the things you can mount on top of a very accurate piece of equipment mm-hmm. that can get you out to hundreds or thousands of yards right you now can't see the target at 50 that's right. kind of fucked up right a yeah. little bit so th- this comes back to it doesn't matter right it only matters what you can do with now, the thing if the apocalypse happens and my batteries die because of thermonuclear blah blah whatever Prison the hell baby. Or whatever Still working. Something. <laughs> maybe yes. yes yeah that's true etched. but what definitely Suckers. works is iron like it, yeah I what agree. works in the rain and the snow and blood and whatever and all this garbage and just wipe it off and you're I could just point it at you. you, you I know, mean, iron, irons yeah. is still again, it's a sighting system, meaning what we're overcoming is our inability to reference the muzzle with the target. What I would recommend for you, because of your very strong opinion in regards to irons. But you also recognize in self defense. I understand. I understand that's, in self defense. But only also, one. <laughs> but well, I know that's your that's your primary like ethos yeah, re- relative to firearms. But uh, would be, but you also recognize there are benefits to a red dot. Mm-hmm. Would be to run them where they coincide, right? Where you have maybe like silencer height, 
sites. Suppressor, come on, Ed. Silencer, so suppressor. I, I, I started, I started out with this uh, suppressor, suppressor height sights in my 19. I know what you're with saying. With my first right I know you are. <laughs> but but the idea being that essentially, and, and uh, this is for the benefit of people who, we keep referring to red dots, and a lot of people think that means lasers. Yeah, true. Right? Yeah, not, not that. Uh, so uh, a red dot really is a small uh, emitter, light emitter that shines uh, onto a pane of glass, which is mounted with a, like a metal camera. container. So think of it as like you're looking through a small window on top of the gun uh, that has a dot that is projected onto it that you can then see. So you're looking through the glass with a, with a uh, like a holographic, uh, essentially red dot that would then sit on top of the target that you're aiming at, and then you would fire to hit it. And you need to have that sight aligned correctly so that it goes where it's supposed to. But in the situation of what I suggested to you, you would also then, in addition to that, have a backup. Uh, uh, essentially what you'd think of as traditional sights that are a little taller uh, than average that would also line up. So when you look down through that pane of glass, you see the sights, they line up with the front sight, and there just happens to also be a red dot right there in the same place. Co-witness. Co-witness. That's exactly fibers? the word I was getting to, which is co-witness. They call that co-witness. Have you run fibers or have you just run like x-rays? I have run almost every type of optic I can think of at some point in the trajectory that you were talking but about. But I mean the it. irons, like your irons. So you know the difference between like a real thin front sight post that you're... I actually have, prefer the, the okay. very thin front the fiber optic. And, yep. and an almost completely muted back. Yes. Because mm -hmm. it really helps me get... Uh, acquire. Acquire, yeah. right. So like a Dawson sight. Yeah. Yep. So I think... Dawson uh, for the win. I think actually mine are default a SIG uh, 365 X-rays. X-ray 3. Yeah. yeah, they're just they're just nice, like a kind of blacked out almost on the uh -huh. back. Uh -huh. Nice, Light, bright. I think they're green in the front. Mm -hmm. And um, Well, those those up there, the default SIGs, and those are the ones using tritium. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, true. Those are not, those are not fibers. They're not fibers, so tritium. It's, it's true. And I really like the, uh, there, there's some nuances to that kind of training for that site picture, meaning holding over the site versus lining up the bottom dot, like on Glock sites. So I am not a big fan of Glock stock sites. Those no, are, no. Those are, uh, they're those plastic, are. guys. Get rid of them. <laughs> first thing, first day, first hour. <laughs> I agree. But, but I do think that like a, like a co-witness situation would be a good way for you to basically get the benefits of yeah, both without having to sacrifice... The, the standard that you're holding yourself. I, I think I do. I, I, so I really appreciate the diligence with which you select mm -hmm. your environment. It's really important in the defensive mindset. I, I have a, I have something very similar. I'm, I'm very religious about, I have two calibers. All right. Three, three now. This, <laughs> this was when Ned and I first started to be like, I yeah. my crazy theory. I'm like, there's too many calibers. True that there's like you will see the, the, most ridiculous flame wars on the internet around nine millimeter versus 45. The answer is pick one. Just pick one. Just pick one. I don't care if you have a reason. Fine. Fact is they will both kill somebody else. So will a 22 if, if you really have to get down to it. So at the end of the day, very easily, just, just pick one, pick one for your reasons. But after that, you know what you shouldn't do is go buy 10 of everything else and stock your safe full of a bunch of, one hit wonder toys because they solve a niche internet argument on yes. something. And so I hold myself to nine millimeter, two twenty three, and 300 blackout 
and 300 Blackout is the only notable exception. But I make that exception now because it is in enough quantity. But the the rationale, like your like your uh, Iron Sight, why my why for that is, I will never have to worry about ammo availability. I will never buy a thing that I can't fire. It's true. Because something that sits in the safe, that feels cool, looks cool, you know, has some sex appeal, but really requires first world to to make bang. No, sorry, I can't do it. And 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 that's my that's my why. Like my why is, I have to be able to reach for anything in there, and anybody else in my household has to be able to reach for anything in there and employ it without having to think about mm. what mag to put in, it's true. what ammo is there, what it's going to do. And simplicity has a value of its own. And in particular in firearms and in the industry, you can spend so much money chasing mm. the perfect bullet. The Yeah. Yeah. The, right? the perfect like, build, the perfect gas length on your AR. Uh, the, yeah. The, but I, what I like about your, your principle and I, I support it, but I think you should add to that just you, you selected the right choices is cost, right? 100? Because well, yes, but yeah, but you. see you, the, the round the, the rounds important. he's mentioned for those who don't know are among the most common calibers in the therefore world, the cheapest, and therefore a most abundant, produced in the largest amounts, and therefore the cheapest, and also the most available, right? So I would just be careful um, about choosing rounds, like choosing a round for your, your primary one that's going to be very expensive, which is then going to deter your ability to train. Good example, the yep. 380 ACP, right? Yes. It's, it's a very popular uh, selection amongst what I would consider to be novice firearms people who think that they need a lighter caliber round that still falls into, inside the defensive uh, category, but they cost way, way, way more and the benefits are very nominal from a recoil perspective, which is usually why people side with the three and, and, and well there was a there was a small time frame when the little tiny micro pocket pistols came out were in mostly three eighty. Right. And mostly for women. Um, yes, they're but, mostly marketed to women. Which is ironic because they're harder to control. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Um, and more expensive. Uh, mm-hmm. I honestly and, and I can tell you, uh, you know, from the competitive world perspective, I have seen all manner of women in the competitive sports uh, from big, tall, large, little petite Itty-bitty. girls. I mean, little petite people. And uh, it doesn't matter. They can all shoot nine mil. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, yes. Thank you. Like it's. it's yes. So my, my sort of advice to uh, 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 perhaps a petite woman or someone who's considering getting into the sport would be don't worry about that it's really a non-factor uh go with a common caliber that you're comfortable with that has a lot of firearm choices and selections because finding the the gun that's right for you is better than kind of finding the caliber that's right for you you can go and because you will find it i mean at the end of the day you will find the right gun mm-hmm. and um it just needs to be effective i mean the fbi did a lot of research on this mm-hmm. and it was a mix of Obviously, they need a certain amount of penetration, yes, but they also needed certain amount of rounds on target. So 45s, you can only carry 10, 12, maybe total of 15 max. If a very More like big, 7 plus 1 in a 1911. Y- yeah, usually, usually 7 plus 1 or, or 8 plus 1. Like yeah. Really, just not that many rounds compared to a Glock 17, which is 17 plus 1. I mean, that's a lot more rounds on target. 
they did some analysis. It was, I'm going to butcher this slightly, but let's say it was one and a half rounds on average required to take down a target mm-hmm. and something like, I think it was like eight rounds maybe or six rounds, six, seven rounds or something like that. Uh, total required to get one round on target. Oh, right. Bingo. Yeah. So you needed, I think something like 15, I think was the magic number to get at least two rounds on target to take down one target (laughs) on average. Yeah. That's a lot of rounds on range. A lot of level zero. I was going to say level zero. (laughs) Raise your hands. Um, so that, that's why they ended up with the nine mil as the standard, yeah. as opposed to 45, which is what they had before. Them. Well, it makes sense. Let's face it. There's, you could, you could find any thread that's going to find any, any rationale why the government picked it. I mean, this, these are all, these are all things that are beyond the scope of the shooter to control and manage. Mm-hmm. Um, so all you can do in my personal opinion, whether it's, so I, I really wish I knew this person's name because I'd love to give them credit for what they've accomplished. But very recently, a gentleman here in Austin, in Texas, qualified LTC shooting with his feet because he does not have arms. That is amazing. Wow. Yeah. I so, did not know about that. Here's to, here's to the idea that gear is, gear is a, a consideration. It's not really the most important one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you've got to find what's going to work for you. And what we're telling you here and what the, the sum total of this entire discussion is about is it's a journey. And we're, we're, we're all going to find different things that we need. I need, I have small hands. I need a smaller grip. Glock 17, Glock 19. Sorry. I'm glad it works for a lot of people. Millions of people. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work as well. Agreed. But I've spent a lot of time finding what, out what works better. And that's been my commitment. If you can't, for whatever reason, cost time, you know, you you can't commit to it. The good news is there's pretty some pretty basic options out for all things, whether it's sites, mm-hmm. brand, and that's why I recommended what I did around the Glock was if you if you can just remember the name when you go into the store, mm-hmm. and you don't get sold by the guy on something you don't need. Yeah, if you can remember the name versus what the person in the YouTube video said about the dot that you needed on this. Cause it was hot sex. <laughs> like just shooting often training often getting better is the only thing that matters because the rest is either limited by you or limited by something else about you, like your money or your time or something like that. So, you know, I think the gear conversation is important, but it is a level one conversation and a level zero conversation because the only way it matters, gear matters is after you've gotten safe, after you've shown a minimum competency and after you know, this is something you care about investing your time money in. Okay. So Hollywood. Woo. Yes. So Hollywood will have a perception of, and they will drive the perception. I think is the real problem of what it's like to be a shooter, mm-hmm. to shoot, mm-hmm. what shooters are like. Ah. And how, how loud guns are. How, be- well, how beautiful what, they are. What shooting is like. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, how easy it is, et cetera. Certainly how easy. So <laughs> I would like to give you a chance to give your perception. How does Hollywood uh, do as dirty? The number one. Mm-hmm. They teach everyone to put their finger on the trigger at all times while carrying the firearm in every movie 
except for they, the really good quality ones. Yeah, they can't really seem to get over that too. That's it's old it, the idea. Uh, uh, everywhere you see is they're walking around with their finger on the trigger, and one of the probably the most important rules in firearms that I teach whenever I I assume they don't know them is you always keep your finger off the trigger until you are ready to shoot. That includes even in competitive sports. You're not allowed to run around with your finger on the trigger at all. It's a, you get disqualified for that. So because it's ultimately the, the primary safety, right, aside of all others, right. it's the primary safety that prevents an, uh, a negligent discharge of the firearm. So I think Hollywood teaches people, and you see it almost every time a very rank novice person or, you know, I have a lot of friends who are foreigners and they come over and they want to shoot. First thing that they, they instinctively do, even though I've told them not to, is they pick up the gun and they put their finger on the trigger. And that is the worst thing I think Hollywood does. There's a million other ones, but that's the worst. Hmm. I agree. Um, I think the other is the presumption that um, you can do all these other things while you're trying to eliminate the target. Mm. Like jumping and running and that kind of thing? Uh, um, Rolling. <laughs> I mean, like pick one. I mean, uh, there are so many obstacles. And we learn this so quickly when we're training. There's so many obstacles to you getting the gun on target. Mm. You're sitting at a table. If I were to draw right now, what what would I have to do? I got to defeat my cover. I got to get over the table. Then I might want to line up my shot so I don't hit anybody else. Mm. How how long and effective is that going to take? The simple process of raising the gun to what kind of looks like from the third-party perspective, your eye level alone burns seconds and then when you start yanking the trigger you can expect good things to happen productive things to happen is created a massive disservice again everything that we and i'm gonna i'm gonna throw video games in here in addition to the the hollywood component Mm -hmm. is yeah it's really easy when i just line up my mouse and and bang on it but the and thankfully that guns uh, don't have recoil. The guns don't have recoil. Um, <laughs> and also the, you know what, what I always try to explain when like, if I don't want to get too far into the, the school shooting bullshit, but what I try to like, just just simply rationalize for people about firing under pressure is the reason why we need guns everywhere is if someone tries to kill a bunch of people, it's a lot harder for them to do it when rounds are cracking past their head at supersonic speeds or physically their breaking their, their concentration and not allowing them the time to find easy targets and kill a lot of people. It's, it's, it's a mathematical equation. The more rounds you can employ on target in an effective way in the shortest possible time means you win. That doesn't mean volumetric spray and pray. What yeah. it means is effective employment. And frankly, it's a disservice by making all of this seem just so easy. I would accessible. agree. That's, so that, that's great. That's what I would say the biggest problem in Hollywood is. When you see some random little girl, little boy pick up a gun and they're like, bah, 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 and like five people die. It's like, wait, what? Like how, how would that have, I mean, unless it was 100% luck, that's never going to happen. And, and also they're going to scare the crap out of themselves. Everyone's going to be deaf. First shot's going to jump. The gun's going to probably jump out of that person's hand and fall. I mean, there's, there's so many things between them shooting the way that they showed in that video and 
actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let's, maybe, let's take the maybe, video game. Maybe Moving your mouse to put a cursor over another th- another pixel, it's so much harder to move weight in three dimensions. Mm-hmm. Oh, move, well, move the muzzle of that rifle where you need it to, and then now go from target to target to target to target while impugning forces on it that are difficult to manage. Plus the stressors. Plus the stressors. Well, you know, I told you, you know, in the 80s when I used to do shooting guns, uh, <laughs> games, I was a complete badass <laughs> until I actually you could do the behind shot the... guns under stress <laughs> uh, of any kind. Uh, but, 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 you know, uh, that, that is probably the best point, right? One other point I'd make, though, would, would be, and it's a disservice to the firearms community more than anything else, is suppressors mm. and that they are super quiet, Right, this idea of the James Bond twenty-two that goes, and it and it, it's like a way to stealthily murder people all day long and get away with it, is uh, very flawed. Uh, the for those who don't know, suppressors, what they do is they reduce the sound to a level that makes it not damaging your ears in some case it doesn't even do that i, just, say, I would, I would say maybe 30 percent of the time it does that yeah, right it depends on the circumstances but i think it's 140 decibels is or 130 oh, sure. decibels is yeah is where you want to get it to and 130 decibels is loud that's loud that's twice as loud as any concert you've been to. and if you're outside you know <laughs> if you hear if you hear 130 decibel uh shot outside it's loud but it doesn't it's not painful when you hear a 130 decibel inside it's painful. It may yeah. not damage your hearing, but it is very permanently painful. damage. It. That's right, right. Uh, and your ears may ring a little. But uh, and even the best suppressors with the lowest, weakest calibers, you can like with a twenty-two long rifle. It's a very small bullet with and, and uh, subsonic and and and, and, and rounds that are yeah. not breaking uh, the 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 the, the um, sound barrier. Sound barrier. Uh, you can get to where even inside you don't need hearing pro, and it's not that loud. But you could not conceal it people maybe if you're in a deep in a building somewhere of course but under any normal circumstance people are going to hear it and they're going to go that's a gun being fired <laughs> yeah pretty right? easy and it's it's unique guys it, it, it's a unique sound whether it's the loudest it can be and it's right next to your head or it's half a mile away yes. it does not sound like anything else you well people do mistake firecrackers in 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 texas all the time for guns but uh but under any kind of initiated sound you you know you'll know what it is it's not like someone slapping some shoes together or something you're you're gonna you're gonna know yeah you're gonna know and if you have any kind of exposure uh there's a very unique quality to it that is definitely not firecracker so but either way i i just i i feel that that does a disservice to the community because there's a lot of legislation and control around suppressors and they don't. And the worry is that they'll be used in some kind of inappropriate way to go on murderous sprees. And that's just simply a flawed idea. We already have a lot of murderous sprees. It it, it doesn't having those laws to, to negate those from commonality doesn't benefit society. It just hurts our ears. (laughs) Uh, really. Even if you don't care about our ears, it doesn't make you safer. It, that's true. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me as a shooter more lethal. Doesn't it, make you safer when they're gone. No. So, so what do you guys think of the fire 
firearms industry writ large. So there's a lot. I love it. Hire me. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) I I, I think they should hire you, to be honest. Um, Whenever you guys are ready, I'm good. That's my second career. When I retire, I will definitely get fire. I mean, mean, honestly, I think both of you should actually move into that career. Because when when I look at the firearms industry, I see antiquated technology, Mm -hmm. antiquated way to market to a modern shooter. I That's why I like SIG. Um, They're figuring it out. I, I think SIG is maybe one of the few who has figured this out. Mm-hmm. There's, there's this massive gap between we have inventory, you need inventory, and like, look, you, what are you looking for? You right. know, like, let's make this work for you. Oh, you're having problems with your shooting? Like, let's get you into the right kind of training with our pistols in our way that will help you get better, like really better and provably better. And we're getting better together with our, with our cadre and our, I look, I, I don't know about you, but I go on a lot of websites and I'm like, this is the kind of website I would have designed 20 years ago. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. I, I, I'm, in, exactly. I'm in human factors, so yes, I know precisely. Whether it's the switch on your wall or the website you built, I have opinions about it. So, yes. But yeah. but you know what I mean? I do. You go there and you're like, how is this still the website you're you're hanging your hat on? Like your your cousin designed this for you like 20 years ago. I and agree. you've not updated this thing? And I feel like the whole industry is sort of like that. You have... You have a couple, and I mean a couple, like you yeah. guys, and mm-hmm. like you know, you, you you run into them of new enthusiasts who would love to help, but there's this old guard who's Absolutely. very protective of the way things used to be, and there's like no, government contracts, yeah, and like we got to do things around. in a certain way, yeah. and it's like no, you need a you need a, it's sort of like like yes, we have paper maps, like yeah, paper paper maps are kind of useful, I guess, if like I have no maybe limited connection. applications yeah, today. Yeah. But yeah. we, we have this new thing, you know, it's like Google Maps or whatever, you know. I, I have good news for you. The revolution won't be televised. It's, it's, <laughs> I am so positive on this, on this question. Like in the short period of time that we've discussed tonight, yeah. about all being in, involved in this thing. God, so much has changed for the better. Mm-hmm. I mean, just SIG's approach to product design and ergonomics yeah. Or as one example, I'm not the low talk suppressors. Is, is anyone here getting money from SIG? I need this <sighs> right now. I mean, no, but I, I am very, very passionate about this company. I think they're doing a phenomenal job. I mean, human factors. So we, t- we started, you started off the question. Let's, let's, let's keep it there. Human factors. Yeah. Who is doing human centered design? The first thing I tell people who say, I want to go buy a gun. What gun should I buy? I don't tell them the brand and I don't tell them the caliber and all that. I say, Here's what you shouldn't do. When you go into the gun store, you're going to have four things out on a, on a glass case. Please do not pick the one that feels good in your hand. <laughs> pick the one that you take into the range shot and you know works for your hand. That's the correct answer. It's not a brand. It's, it, it is your unique ergonomics play such a big factor in your ability to be competent Start with the right foot forward. And unfortunately, I can't evaluate that for you. And and there's a lot of companies, I'm going to throw Walther under the bus. God, that those P-series Bond guns feel great in your right hand, only your right hand, mm-hmm. unloaded, and not on a repeat shot. But stack those things together, and I don't want that anything anywhere near me. 
but they know how to sell a gun. Right. And unfortunately, that was where the industry came. They knew it was a low intellect buy with no discernibility and they could take advantage of the buyer. Which is why Glock but, was so perfect because they made it good enough perfection. but did nothing <laughs> yeah, to help the, the 20% that couldn't quite fit into their... But you have to remember it's a volume market. Right? It is. And so they're not a trying to appeal to people like Niche. us. Yeah. Like they, they, they care about our sales because we're repeat multiple buyers, but really the volume is at the level zero. The distributor. Right. Zero. Level zero. You know, pandemic was a great, great opportunity for these guys. They sold out of every and crappy gun sold. they had. Yes, exactly. It did, wasn't the good stuff. It did was did I tell you the, the story of what happened in the pandemic at the range here? Did I tell you my involvement in that thing? I, I was aware of the yet, like or? the line that was stretching out the building, and that they okay. sold every so the, gun. So they were they were fully shut down during the pandemic, fully fully shut yeah, down. Yeah, that's right. So me and a couple of guys made some phone calls and got the attorney general to say that the gun range was one of the few carve outs for public safety, and so we got that's Texas. outstanding. Thank you. Yeah, it was cool. We got Texas uh, gun sellers, not the ranges, unfortunately, but the sellers open for business. Yeah. Right. And we saw one of the greatest increases in gun ownership in Texas history mm, because of that tiny little change. In I the waited law. in those lines that's to incredible. get ammo and for other things. And um, I definitely saw people in those lines that I hadn't seen in any gun store before. And that's such a phenomenal thing. One day after we started making phone calls, it, the floodgates were open. That's amazing. And that was, was quick. Cause I mean, that was I know, already it was by like March. And, and <laughs> because, because, you know, Grant was lamenting like, this is, this yeah. is a really shitty situation. Like yeah. I wish I could be open. I'm like, well, let's make that happen. Right. Me and a couple other guys made it happen. Outstanding. Like that's, I, I think that a new shooter is actually a fairly dangerous person. Yes. Really, a really pretty yeah. dangerous person. Yeah. Especially a panic buyer. I'm yep. not. I'm not a huge fan of the panic buy. Um, but I also was pleased to find that a huge chunk of those people went and got their LTC. True. Right. Yes. Huge chunk. Where they're they were like completely booked as soon as they were able to do that type of training mm -hmm. again. Completely booked. Like people wanted it. Like right, yeah. Yes. You know, you're shifting into an area that's I'm passionate about, which like uh, there's a lot of people. Who, and I'm not even talking about the pandemic buyers, but rather the people who don't know anything about guns, but have an opinion on them, right? And we're all entitled to have an opinion on them. Um, but I have found, and I do, as you kind of suggested much earlier in this podcast, uh, that, you know, I tend to run a little on the, on the left side. Um, I would say that that's true, right? Um, I don't really like those kind of uh Labels, labels yeah, but sure. but uh, but I generally do. Um, obviously, not when it comes to firearms, right? But I have a lot of friends who are like that, and right. they know nothing about guns, but they have a very strong opinion about them, and so they're they're operating, in my opinion, from a point of extreme ignorance, right? And do they you do your work. Do you actually like try to educate them and bring them in? That's exactly it, right? So uh, I try to appeal instead of trying to tell people that they're wrong. I try to appeal to the fact that they have a strong opinion, they're entitled to it, but wouldn't you like to be more informed, right? You know, you say that, you know, a semi-automatic gun is, you know, like a 
fully automatic gun. They don't know the difference, right? So I want them to understand the difference because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, we got to get rid of these semi-automatic firearms. You, you realize that's like virtually every firearm out there except guns that made, were made like 100 years ago, right? So uh, bringing them in, right? Saying, you know what? Let's go to the range together. I consider myself to be what I call a firearms ambassador, ambassador. right? I don't want to tell you what to think. I want to teach you what's true and that you form your own opinion. And I will tell you, in my own opinion, the people that I have taken to the range and given them a proper introduction with a proper mindset, I'm willing to bet 95% of those people walked away with, wow, they're not evil. They're not, they are dangerous, but they're to be respected. And I could do this and I could own one and I could be safe with them. They being guns. And, and why do That's I have right. to take it out of Correct. Ed's hands who's doing the right things with it? And I know that if I were to uh, purchase a firearm and get the right training, that I can empower myself to my own self-defense and not have to rely, not any besmirchment on the police, but if there's a crime, there's a good chance they're not going to be there until after it's been perpetrated. So these people walk away with this idea that I can, I can do this for myself and be safe, right? I would say the response I typically get, I would say maybe 60% of the time, is I now know I shouldn't own a gun. There's a lot of people who know that too. Because of how the distance between where I'm at and where I need to be to safely operate. They, they're like... That's the best I, I might even be a negative one at this point. I'm, I'm like so not even a zero, let alone a one. Like... like I just did it. I shot my first round, maybe five rounds or something, maybe 10, but like, that's it. I, and I would never feel comfortable coming in the range ever again without somebody like you helping me out. And I actually, I kind of like that response because it's not coming completely out of fear. It's coming from knowledge. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I would say, let's add a comma to that. And because I know that, and because I know what you know, or I know that you care about it, I don't have an interest in taking away your gun. That's exactly right. That that they're not want, inherently that last, evil. That last bit. If right. if they're not willing to take on the the very important responsibility, I support that. I also want them to support my right to decide for myself to exactly. do that. That's it. It's very simple. And that's a very live and let live situation. Mm -hmm. I'm I, I walk away not being a threat to them. They walk away not feeling threatened. And we don't, we don't impugn each other's ability to be a part of this society. I don't like absolutes under any circumstances. And with firearms, I've learned personally in my journey that there is none. It, it just doesn't exist. So how come that is not more of a common situation? And, and what I appreciate about Texas and juxtaposing that with where I lived in California before that was the only difference is this place with these approaches and these laws allows me to choose for myself mm -hmm. versus someone making that decision. And I think everybody listening to this, regardless of their starting point or their current opinion, doesn't want to be told by somebody else what they can't do. That's right. If I can be responsible and safe, allow me to be. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's a great I don't point, Chris. need anything else from you. 
I don't want anything else. I don't want subjugation for someone who walks out of the range with that mindset. I, I don't, I don't need you to be on my side. I just don't need you to be against me. Right. That's it. And, and I want America to work that way in this topic, if only this topic. So there's a lot of good rationales behind it, but, but we can't even get to that part of the conversation sometimes. And mm -hmm. that's my only hope and wish. But for the industry at large, I really do think we're at like a, a great place. Uh, if only because there's so many new people with diverse opinions and experiences now going on this journey that, the rest of us started just, just a little bit before them. That is, that's going to bring positive things for our society. You know, the, I, first of all, I, that was a phenomenal point. I, really fascinating. Um, the, the one thing I would say about the industry that I would like out of the industry, and it kind of counters uh, 2A, right? Which is this idea that the Second Amendment is this unlimited right right and that this idea that you know you it can't be infringed and all of that my opinion is is that it doesn't prevent us from self-regulation right prefer the the south part right i like i i feel like any industry which believes that it's entitled to not be regulated is the most likely to be regulated especially right? if they don't take well, ownership for that. that and, and I think that, and, and, and this is an awfully huge assumption on my part. So I apologize to the firearms industry when if anyone hears it, but it is really that rounds and coming. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> Shots but, but it, it's really just, if we collectively as a, as a industry slash community take increased responsibility for how firearms are sold, marketed, used, trained, whatever, right. Depicted, uh, we have we allow for a better outcome and self ownership of that and self regulation is what will ultimately deter ignorant regulation which is what everyone doesn't want and what's happening to us and we're seeing happen across the country and various states and it's a disservice to those of you who believe you can and should remove guns from our hands that your representatives are lying to you with misguided information that it's simply as simple as writing down some words on a piece of paper that right. you can legislate good human behavior and that the tool somehow is the problem. I a hundred percent like align with that. And, and I think regardless of what you choose politically to believe, we have to understand that life just doesn't, it's not that, fucking simple so <laughs> it's not at a minimum let's just keep talking and we can never let's put pandora back in the box we can't put pandora in the box let's go to the range let's let's talk about it let's learn some things let's all get closer to something that appears like a page that we can read from and let's just see what the hell happens mm -hmm. but don't go to your corner i won't go to mine and the upside for both of us is that we can live out our lives and in, in, in hopefully a little bit more trust and respect for each other. I mean, yeah. what, what I have to do when I show up at the range is show up with respect. Respect for myself. And a bit of humility. Of yeah, course. It, at a minimum, if I want to improve and say all the things that I said earlier, which I do. So that, that has to be like a prerequisite. And that was what was such a great part about 
being having that imposed upon me by Jeff's process was I got <laughs> to the right <laughs> I got I crush got to the right ego. mindset quiz yeah crush <laughs> completely ego. crushed and you know why <laughs> you have to come to the temple and sleep at the doors before you can be allowed entrance and mm-hmm. and that's if you want to improve at this but even if you don't want entrance I think it's really important that you not bar people who do and that goes for for everything we've tried experiments in this country with legislating morality and they have all failed so, you know, let's just check the ego. Like I said, let's go to the range. Let's take away what we take away from it. But I, I, I very much believe that, and I, and I hold very crucial to my, like, identity, is that we both have to walk away with a point of view that allows the other to exist. Mm-hmm. And so that fatality, that fatalism mm-hmm. that exists on both sides is unacceptable. I don't think the industry necessarily purports that. I really don't. But it's convenient tropes to to kind of play to your audience, regardless of whatever you're trying to sell. Mm-hmm. And again, because we have so many new people in the in the industry who are now new shooters who are going through the journey, things are improving rapidly on almost every front. Um, from product design, from mm-hmm. ergonomics, from technology, because now there's enough money to scale those niches and those benefits and, and build it out. So if you were ever thinking like, I may not be able to be a good shooter or I may not be able to do all the things that you guys have said because of money or time or something else, you're kind of, this is the best. There was no better time to get in except today. And there's no age limit. I mean, one of my students seriously is 79 years old and that is really cool. And is now just deciding to learn. That's awesome. Yeah. Gentlemen. Yes. I think we have to call it. Um, <laughs> so I actually want to continue this conversation. I don't think we got to where we need to go. <laughs> so uh, maybe we'll redo this. Um, we'll do sure. another time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, this was great. I inshallah. Mean, God yeah. willing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, before I do that, where can people find you or whatever if you want to be found? I don't sure. know. Um, from a firearms perspective, uh, I'm, I actually am not huge on social media, but I am on Instagram. Uh, my, uh, my name is Seeking Peak. That's with two E's for the seek and E-A for the peak. On the gram. Mm. On the gram. On the, on the gram, yeah. The gram. And, you, and you can see some of the things that I do, and uh, I, don't, I don't get too fluffy, but it's a lot of like the things that I'm shooting and, and kind of gives you an idea of what my, my skill level is like. Great. Well, despite being paid to do social media, I have no personal interest in being social. So if you want to know me, the best way you can find me is to come out to the range, Austin, and shoot with me. And, uh, you know, I'd love to. And so, yeah, let's let's do this IRL thing. And uh-huh. if you find me on social, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't have anything new and relevant to offer. <laughs> well, Chris and Ed, thank you so much for doing this, brother. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Greatly appreciate it. A lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Absolute delight.